0: this week's red voices thanks for stopping by for this the third part of our series celebrating manchester united's treble win time to focus on the motherlode, the holy grail the champions league Ewan and richard can and paul gunning on hand to offer their thoughts on the last part of that immortal 1998-99 to treble season and Sir Alex ferguson's greatest achievement rich how are we
1: yeah i'm not too bad i'm looking forward to the to the, uh, finally talking about the best bit of the of the treble in my humble opinion
0: Yeah, I mean, the other two bits that we've already spoken about over the last few weeks, don't forget, if you you so wish you can listen to our thoughts on the Premier League campaign and the FA Cup run uh, in previous episodes over the last few weeks, there's thousands and thousands of words, so much to talk about for the other competitions. We are so lucky to be going through this campaign here because there's just so much to talk about. There's so much context. I mean, this is where my notes really come into their own, don't they?
1: You make the most extensive notes I've ever seen. Um, (laughs) you, You are nothing if not a pro.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank you. Paul, how are you? How, how are my notes? Are they rubbish? Are they too long? Or I don't know, give me some feedback, because if, if I don't get any feedback, I won't get any better.
2: They, I don't think you can get better. They're absolutely incredible. I think like, no stone unturned. Um, I'm very well, thanks. But yeah, they are. there are something to behold. Oh,
0: well, well, I'm glad. Gentlemen, how are we otherwise? You know, obviously we're, we're enjoying our uh, weekly escape from humdrum life at the moment. Are we all doing all right?
1: Yeah, apart, apart from the fact I can't remember what day it is. Um, yeah, Wednesday. It's all good. Wednesday, there you go. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter does not matter, it? Because every single day yeah. is <laughs> exactly the same. Season. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't. Exactly. Yep.
2: Just embrace it. Paul? Every day's a weekend. Uh, no, yeah, really good thanks, yeah. Well, I mean, really good considering. Um, looking forward to, to talking about this uh, unbelievable Champions League campaign. And hopefully the, the listeners will enjoy it as well
0: yeah no i'd hope so so let's let's dive right in united and the uh, champions league or slash european cup obviously we'd won it in uh, 1968 10 years after the uh, munich air disaster with english clubs coming back into european competition post heisel i think it became an incredible drive for ferguson to get hold of that trophy didn't it you know and i think the abiding memories I have from United's first forays into the Champions League after it was rebranded and reformatted was of United being pretty out of their depth, Rich?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's frustrating because the, the first season that English clubs allowed back into Europe, obviously United were in the, the Cup Winners' Cup and, and went on to, to be probably the best team in Europe at the, at the time, Barcelona in the final, and then just didn't, didn't build on it in European terms. And I don't know whether that was... a, a Perhaps a reflection on the, the Premier League, maybe just trying have to catch up with Europe, that it kind of fallen back a little bit. Because before the, the ban, you know, the English league was probably the Premier League in in Europe in the previous decade. But I think there was a degree of having lost some momentum and lost some development, and having to sort of find find ourselves again in in um, in Europe. And we took a couple of seasons really to even have a competent go at the European Cup. So. Yeah, it was a long, it was a long, a long build up to mm-hmm. to the eventual winning of it in '99.
2: I think that also the, a huge factor for, certainly for United was the foreigner rule. Yeah, because obviously it took into account British, so Scottish, Welsh, and Irish as well, didn't it? So you know, the likes of Giggs and Hughes and Cantoner obviously you know couldn't play. You know, also I think there was, I mean, because Fergie had done well at Aberdeen as well. He'd won the
1: um, what do you win at Aberdeen? He won the Winners Cup, didn't he? Winners Cup, didn't he? Yeah. So he, you know, he he,
2: he he had a reasonable record, but you know, obviously, he was still a bit, a bit naive, um, certainly against the really big boys. But I think the final rule, I mean, there was that unbelievable game away to uh, to Barcelona where we, we lost heavily, and Gary Walsh played in goal
0: because
2: <laughs> he, I mean, which was a stupid decision to make, but obviously, you know, it, 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 it did make it incredibly tricky for for him. I think in those early years,
1: it was Cantona and Schmeichel in the in the stands, wasn't it, for that game. Yeah, which unbelievable, was, you know, he, he had all these decisions to make and these you know yeah. really high class kind of British British non English players as well and so he's having to make these decisions on which genius to leave out. Um, yeah, and really. And that was one, one hell of a
2: t- that, you know that was his first obviously his first sort of era, his first te- you know huge brilliant um, title winning team. And you know I do wonder if if we had if he had all of his players available to him, I think we surely we would have done better and possibly even won it because I think that was a hell of a team on its day
0: so going back through the first several years you know go back to 93-94 and United qualified for the Champions League that season having won the first the inaugural Premier League uh, went out on away goals to Galatasaray I think after a 2-2 draw if memory serves following season yeah we finished third in a group with Galatasaray obviously that was becoming a bit of a theme Barcelona and IFK Gothenburg Paul I think that was the game where we lost heavily yeah. over at cap now wasn't it yeah and then obviously we missed the uh, 95-96 campaign Blackburn Rovers in our place that season came back into it with our first meeting against Juventus in the 96-97 season squeaked through that group uh, lost 1-0 in both group games uh, to, Fenne- to Juventus but those were not really 1-0 games, were they? We were con- we were outclassed pretty heavily in yeah. both of memory serves. Taught a bit of a lesson. And I think this is probably my worst memory pre-99 uh, Champions League campaign. After beating Porto 4-0 on aggregate in the quarterfinals, those two 1-0 defeats uh. to Borussia Dortmund in the semi final. Terrific.
1: I think there was a degree in those first few seasons of United not really knowing how to manage European games yeah <clears throat> they're off. they're often quite chaotic I mean I can even- I can remember the first Champions League home game we had against Gothenburg and it was I think we finished 4-2 and it was just attack against attack and there was, was that no- three
2: all against Gartas well wasn't there
1: yeah there was where we you know we'd gone away we'd done we 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 playing at home against the team we really should have been be- be- yeah. beating but we were just we were just too open and too naive and we could be we could beat teams, but we could also capitulate. I th- the game in Gothenburg was another one where they were a team, we sh- a decent team at the time, but a team we should have been competing with, and we just kind of didn't didn't have the smarts to get through that through that game.
2: Even the, the ninety nine season, there was still that a bit of that remaining chaos with, with that team. I mean, we never made it easy for ourselves, did we?
0: No, no, no. I think United, in, in all situations, even when we've had the most successful teams, there have been an element of us thriving in chaos to a certain extent, exploiting yeah. our uh slightly explosive and exuberant uh capabilities and abilities but yeah let's see going into 97 98 that was the last one uh before this season uh knocked out by monaco in the quarterfinals that rubbish one all drawn away goals at old trafford yeah. But remember, remember that game uh in monaco actually obviously it was on top of that car park stadium such a weird game as well nothing Terrible really pitch. happened awful pitch. yeah
1: The thing about that game was that it it was interesting that 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 that's the first game I can ever remember Fergie putting out a team which I thought was trying to not concede. It was was such a strange game and and I think he he perhaps learnt a lesson from that game as well and that going away and getting a nil-nil draw in a Champions League knockout tie isn't necessarily a good result. Um, And it's perhaps perhaps that was another lesson, a hard lesson we had to learn at the time that that actually took us on to the point where we, we were able to win the tournament
0: anyway that season 98 99 then drawn in group d uh with the bundesliga champions Bayern munich la liga champions barcelona and danish champions Bronby. there's only six groups in the champions league at this time so the six group winners go through and then it's the top two second place sides that will make up the quarterfinals with the second place sides depending on if you're second or third in your group being decided on individual records against each other so yeah, Richard, you and I have spoken about this. It was a very tight way of uh, sorting things out that year. And yeah, the first game of that campaign was a 3-3 at home to Barcelona. An incredible start to the campaign. But just before we get into that ball, I remember looking at that draw back in the day and being incredibly wary of United's chances of getting through this. It felt like a really tall order.
2: Yeah, it did. I mean, we we, we only qualified in second, didn't we? And um, <clears throat> we'd obviously we had that disappointment from the previous season... Um, still hanging over as Barcelona and Bayern Munich. I mean, literally, probably I would say were the, the two biggest and best teams in, in the competition at that point. To draw them both in the same group, I mean, it was just you, you looked at it and just, just had this real sense of foreboding about the whole thing. Yeah, you know, obviously we came through it in the end, but it was it was every game was just so tight and so tough, and 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 so much energy and, and, and sort of mental energy needed to come through that group. I mean, if you put the, those three teams in, in in a group now, obviously now, obviously United would probably not qualify. But it's three of the biggest, <laughs> three of the biggest clubs in, in in the world, literally.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a group with the ultimate Spanish champions of that season and the and the German double winners for that season. I think, as Paul said, they, they were probably the, aside from United the best two teams in Europe at the time or best champions in Europe at the time. I think you could you could say that Arsenal were a very very strong side as well, but. And obviously, Juve later in the competition, but yeah, it was it was an absolutely nuts draw. And the, the funny thing about that first half of the season, as we have talked about in the with the Premier League campaign as well, is that United didn't really get going until kind of December, January time in terms of their absolute top form. But in the Champions League, we were we were incredibly dangerous going forward, but very very flaky as we were in the league defen- defensively as well. And as as Paul said, it just made almost every game incredibly stressful <laughs> and, and yeah. incredibly, yeah, top, incredibly stressful. topsy-turvy you know there are, you could mm. look at the um but obviously we'll, we'll look at the games in more more detail but you could look at both games against Barca and both games against Bayern and say that if United had kept up their intensity and kept up their level of um, attacking play particularly we should have won those games all four of them but ultimately didn't kind of by virtue of our own lack of concentration
2: yeah you look back on that defense and I mean obviously. It was a really, really good defence, but they were prone to lapses of concentration. You know, they did make stupid mistakes. Even Schmeichel made the odd mistake. So you know, they re- we really did make it difficult for ourselves, and really were reliant on those unbelievable attacking players that we had in the team at the the time.
0: So kicking things off for that Barcelona game at Old Trafford, that was uh, the period in life where Louis van Gaal was the manager. Uh, They had to mention Rich, they just won the domestic double that previous season, but they failed to win the treble because they finished bottom of their Champions League group. Uh, Ronaldo had not long been sold to Inter, Sonny Anderson was their main striker, and they had Rivaldo on the side as well, so by all means, a very good Barcelona side, if not a classic by any stretch of the imagination. And it was another weird game for the fact that United, due to the way that the kits lined up, had to go in their all-white change strip at home. And I still can't remember to this day a time when United had been forced to wear their away strip at home. It was a good yeah. kit,
1: though, wasn't it? I loved that one. I liked all the kits that year, that year, but the white kit was a, was a really nice kit.
0: Oh, do you know what I'll be looking at? I watched the, uh, the 95 96 games, uh, the goals from the Premier League season. That blue and white striped kit with the yellow numbers on the back. Oh, I loved it.
1: Mm, that was a beauty.
0: Right, United started very strongly, though, as you mentioned. Uh, Beckham to Giggs initially bouncing across goal to Solskjaer but Michael rising it again up this is one of the best bits about going all through these games and looking at highlights is just remembering all these players I've completely forgotten about Giggs was having a load of fun down the left wing in the early stages and as mentioned you know United's biggest pal was their attack and they were properly going for it in the early stages weren't they uh, it was Beckham to kick things off with a big outswinging cross and you remember Giggs just managed to get his head with a massively big header on this because it basically because it was travelling at such speed it almost took him backwards. It was a great goal to get things going, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was, I, I, was, I watched back all the Premier League goals, all the, the first two thousand goals of United Premier League era recently, and Rangick's actually scored quite a few more headers than I than I recall. And it was a really, really towering header. I can remember Mark Hughes scoring a similar one, I think, against Barcelona a couple of years before that. But for Rangiggs to be scoring a an enormous, towering, looping header at the back post was was relatively unusual. It was kind of. Typical of United having periods in in games, but particularly in some of these Champions League games where they were just irresistible for a, for a period. And you know, United fully deserved to have, to have taken the lead, and then entirely deserves to have got a second as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, and it was a well slightly fortuitous in the way that it fell to skulls, but again, it was Beckham on the right hand side. Uh, York didn't even look up and hit a stunning overhead volley. Which uh, what was his name? Bless him, Hesp. That was it. Yeah. Rude what Hesp. was his
1: first name? Rude, I think. Rude Hesp. Rude Hesp. Yeah. Excellent.
0: Great name. Uh it was palmed out, but Luis Enrique, former Barca manager, got in the way and deflected it straight to Skulls who slammed it into the roof of the net. Paul, were you there for that one?
2: No, I wasn't. It was um <clears throat> we we couldn't afford to go to all the European games at that point and it was before the they made a compulsory re season ticket. So oh, watch right. this one on T V unfortunately. But um well yeah, just what a game. It was a stunning game, end to end And a real sign of things to come, I think, um, for the Champions League campaign, you know, Sort of that early European Fergie gung ho kind of rust we'll score more than you, or as I'll many hope. as you, or as many as you, yeah. <laughs> but, and the, the quality of Giggs gigs and Beckham's crossing is, is what stands out in my memory. They were just so dangerous down both flanks, and the billowing shirts, like you said, you know, the, the kits were great. and the, the billowing shirts on those two were just fantastic.
1: What I found really, really interesting about this period as well is we were kind of just finding out how good Dwight York was, yeah. Oh, my god, late. absolutely. <laughs> You know, I had no expectation that he was going to be as good as he ultimately no. was, but and he'd, he'd he'd hit the ground running in the league, and it was interesting because the two qualifying games for the Champions League against Elkesh Wood, Cole and York weren't the, weren't the starting pairing for that for that season, and, and it, for this Barcelona game they still weren't. And as you say, Fergie went with with Solskjaer and York in this game, yeah. But it was just it was just suddenly there was just these moments in particularly in the Champions League games where you just realised how good Dwight York was. He was just
2: so sharp, wasn't he?
1: It was, and that second goal particularly was another example of, oh, it was a beauty. of just, you know, you, you look at a player and you're thinking, what level can he actually play at? And you just realised you had this guy who could immediately play at the absolute top level, which was, it was quite, it was a revelation at the time.
0: Yeah, another thing that was a revelation to me, watching back through all the highlights of these three different competitions, is how many overhead kicks there are in yeah. football at this stage. Mm. <laughs> absolutely.
2: Yeah. But this one, I mean, the, the Orks in this game was just, it was absolutely beautiful, wasn't it? Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, uh Barcelona starting to come back into the game a little bit after that second goal. Uh Rivaldo was driving towards goal and hit a shot that Sonny Anderson deflected in. It off for an offside that wasn't actually offside, so we got a bit of a let off there. Uh, maybe moving into the second half with the United 2-0 up, there was an element that we had sort of took it taken our foot off the gas a little bit, and we were punished for, as we've mentioned here, one of several awful defensive errors like Stam, Berg and Gary Neville all trying to get it clear all getting way too close to each other and the ball squirmed out to Anderson who fired home when Schmeichel was a little bit too far out of his net to make it 2-1 and then ooh, a bit of a nasty equaliser as well uh, it was Luis Enrique to Rivaldo Stam get, got pulled into the challenge it was a bit of a necessary tangle of legs and Ronaldo went down Giovanni stepped up and made it 2-2 but then three minutes later Paul that free kick by Beckham that free kick the original goal v Greece yeah. in front of the Stretford end wasn't it in that World Cup qualifier it was it
2: was, just, it was that quintessential Beckham wasn't it where I've always loved his body shape when he when he finished it you know when he struck the ball and in this one he was like where motorcyclists are going around the track and they, and the, and they go around the corners and they bend all the way to the ground it was like he almost finished horizontal it's unbelievable but yeah, stunning free kick and um,
1: just Beckham in his pomp. Absolutely amazing.
0: Rich, it didn't last very long though, did it?
1: No, he didn't, uh, the, the, as, as was the nature of this did game. Did you want up. to say something about the Beckham free kick? Or? Well, I well, only just, I, I watched it, I was watching the Champions League goals again just just before we started recording and just as well as the shape that he had when he took that free kick, the speed that he ran up to that ball, he was yeah. almost, a, he was almost a, a, a kind of long jumper. He, he was almost, I would have said, he, pro, he was probably at 80, 90% of full speed before he hit yeah. that ball. He wasn't a wasn't a normal kind of free-kick technique. You had to get absolutely every bit of kinetic energy you could get behind it to, to, to accurately hit it from there. It was just a ridiculous free-kick. Yeah. I still don't think
2: that it I've really seen was. a better free-kick taker than Beckham And no. in all the years I've been watching football, really. I mean, there's been some fantastic free-kick takers, don't get me wrong, but I think part of it is just that sort of
1: aesthetic. It was. But we needed that, didn't we? Yeah, we desperately needed that goal then because the game had completely the, the 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 flow of the game had completely switched the other way and we were really kind of rocking at that point but how often was that the case oh, yeah. with
2: Beckham where, where we need, desperately needed a goal and he steps up I mean I don't know why I always, always sort of wondered why would you even risk touching a United player in that area of the pitch you know what I mean because it's pretty <laughs> much like a penalty well
0: at this stage yeah in particular yeah I mean you look at the way especially in the knockout stages and we'll talk about this a little bit more when it comes to the final but Ferguson, when it came to figuring out the best way to put United's best foot forward, was essentially to make sure that you gave the ball to Giggs and Beckham a lot. And it works incredibly well, because even when Beckham gets marked out of a game, he can still provide incredible set-piece deliveries from absolutely nowhere, from a moment of magic, from absolutely nothing. And it's fantastic in moments like this, as you said there, Rich, because United really did need to get back into the game. And it lasted all of six minutes yeah. with a... Yeah inexplicable Nicky Butt red card, Paul.
2: Yeah, I mean, Nicky Butt, you know, he could be prone to those moments, couldn't he, where he lost his head. Um, and he and he certainly did here. And he 3-2 up. At home. I mean, this goes back to what we were talking about, really, I suppose it's a bit of naivety. I um, mean, they're still pretty young at this point, in these players. Um, but it's that kind of na- naivety, you, you know, you, you're playing against Barcelona, these guys know what they're doing, and he just lost it.
0: Terrible handball, completely blocking a goal-bound effort. Red card, and then it was Lewis Enrique scoring the resulting penalty. And for the last 20 minutes or so, it was pretty much backs against the wall. Uh, Michael Raskin got a shot from distance, and Enrique got a chance with the header, and Anderson again. I hated playing against Sonny Anderson. He had a great chance from just inside the penalty area, but we just managed to hold on for a draw. But I guess the more interesting result from that evening was the fact that Bronby, this is a team that we beat over the course of two games, 11-2 on aggregate, had somehow beaten Bayern Munich in Denmark that night. Alan Jensen scoring an 89th minute winner, having uh, come from behind 1-0 and then winning 2-1. Great result for Bronby that. And that set us up for a very interesting game. Our first competitive meeting ever by munich at the old olympic stadium 2-2 away from home rich
1: yeah i mean this is another one where you're wondering just how good your players are just how you know what sort of level they can play at and this is another one of those games where you look at and you think this is one of the hardest places to go in europe to get a result how are we going to do and what does it say about us It, it was interesting that i mean ultimately it was very frustrating that we didn't we didn't win the game but um we we, went, we ended up going behind to a to a goal which was offside twice in about two seconds. Oh, it was awful. <clears throat> it was absolutely terrible. And I, I was abs- I was being absolutely infuriated by it at the time. but had this terrible sinking feeling. And then it was it was really a case of were again were these guys good enough to actually come back from that setback and 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 make something of it. And again it was it was Beckham. And again it was it was York again. So the, all these these players which kept standing who kept standing up when the when the chips were down. You know United were f- filled that season with what what people would now call clutch players and it was another game where we kind of showed that
0: yeah i mean speaking of that first buying goal, assistant referees have got a very tough job this wasn't a tough this decision was <laughs> no no it's interesting getting notes on elbe as well he was top buying scorer for all but one of his five six seasons when he was playing in germany he was immense for Bayern munich a bit of a legend at the club but yeah toying with phil neville down united's right flank and then Yankee was getting involved and Salahimzic as well. Rolled it back to Elbert, who was at least a metre offside. And he just delicately struck it home from close range. Everyone's looking around to see it was offside. Elbert knew he was offside, but, yeah. <laughs> but still, it wasn't uh, wasn't flagged up. So 1-0 after 11 minutes. But United actually did a pretty good job of settling after that. Uh, it was good pressure from us to actually get the equaliser too. So Oliver Kahn passing it out to Mateus, who took an awful touch straight to Beckham and then sharing him, passed it back to him down the right flank. I think there was this was the one as well where Beckham gets taken out after he's yeah. got the crossing and then got it down to York who had it hard and low into the ground and managed to bounce in. But yeah, it was a good response from United there, as you mentioned there, Rich, obviously in so many elements because it was such a tough group. United were really in to a certain extent uncharted territory in the sense that we really did need to show what we were made of and having such an early setback with that goal after 11 minutes it was huge that United actually responded as well as we did you know it was and it was a scrappy scrappy second goal that we went ahead to as well wasn't it
1: Mateus's fault again I think really yeah um Skull's just kind of driving through Mateus not managing to make a clearance the keeper coming out missing the ball and uh, and skulls just touching in is interesting actually just going back to what paul was saying a few minutes ago about the team being really young and i can just de- remember thinking at the time even with someone like skulls that this is kind of this was kind of the point where these players would come in of age
2: mm-hmm, yeah.
1: really coming of age and really finding themselves on the biggest stage and that was another example of skulls actually being a big game player and making a difference in in an absolutely massive game
2: it was lovely seeing um, <clears throat> Khan and Mateus as well, like raising their arms, saying whose fault it was sort of thing, because I despise both of those players for some reason. I'm not really sure why. Like, I look back <laughs> now and just think... It's a what? bit of
0: little good of you there, Paul. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, <laughs> no, it was just uh, like a really comical goal for them to concede. But yeah, you're absolutely right about the, the players coming of age, and we'll go on to talk about Juventus later. I think that was the real the real acid test, wasn't it? And um, <clears throat> yeah, Fantastic.
0: Before we get to onto the really good stuff, we've got to talk about a terrible late equaliser by Albert. Big uh, scene, the Zarazu throwing a long throw into the area. Schmeichel tried to go for it and Ugh. completely misses it. Bounced over him, and then Albert just tucks it in at the near post. Uh, it was awful. It was rubbish. Uh, it was 2-2 right at the death. And I guess at that point, having dropped pretty decent winning positions and then drawn both there was a little bit of a concern about how we were going to get through but one of the great things was that we were going to be playing Bromby for the next two games and that went incredibly well didn't it Rich?
1: Yeah I mean if there's one thing from, from that trouble season that we were particularly good at it was absolutely going to town on bad teams we saw United do that so many times throughout that season I mean Brom- really from the moment Bromby conceded what was a really um, abysmally defensive mistake for their for their first goal you know, yeah. United really kind of opened up after that, and and there, there were several levels ahead of ahead of Bromby, but we really really punished them. And it, it, you know, it wasn't given they beaten Bayern in the first game. This wasn't a, wasn't ever going to be a complete walkover. But United needed to turn up, and when they turned up, they really took them apart.
0: Well, it definitely helped that the first goal came within the first two minutes. Yeah. You know, it was I remember Wes Brown sending in a pretty rubbish cross to be honest. And I think the keeper now I'm gonna go with Koff, K O G H, that's what I'm gonna say for the pronunciation yeah. here, might have been distracted by the defender trying to head it out for a corner and he completely misses it and drops it at Giggs's feet from a couple of metres out. And that was one nil within the space of two minutes as mentioned and let's see 3-1 uh, up by the end of the half Giggs got another header after 20 minutes from a long fist deep cross Andy Cole with his first of several goals in that Champions League campaign York and Carl having a great time in this game but then I guess the, the most interesting goal as well is another Schmeichel mistake it was a really rubbish free kick I think it was Dogard with a free kick from way out and it's low it was going alright it was well struck but Schmeichel at his near post there basically just it like phase through him it wasn't great, but at least then you know we still ended up with an incredibly enjoyable second half, Paul.
2: Yeah, it was. I mean, like Rich said, you know, they just didn't have the quality at all. Bromby. I think. I wonder if if Schmeichel made that mistake early on you know, they'd gone one nil up, would we panicked a little bit? But I don't think we would. We were just we were just way way better than them. Um, I can't. Was it Keane who scored the, the, the first goal in the second half?
0: It certainly was. And
2: like you say, York and Cole were just absolutely rampant, weren't they? Easy pickings really for United, and whenever we played any any team, with uh, lack lacking in quality. It was just just easy for for them.
0: Well, I mean, those uh, second half goals as well came in the space of seven minutes, as you mentioned. There came with a great shot just from outside the area. He was superb at doing that. He does it a lot this season, especially in the Champions League. So, what you got another, and then it was Oli, with probably be the pick of the bunch. So I'm going to go through this one because it's poetry. I like it. Uh, York setting up Solskjaer for the best goal of the night with a superb arrow drive outside the area. Keeper with no trance. Bagger capitalises on some slackness later on. I'm talking about the the notes from the other goal. Never mind. Disregard. Rich, what were you saying?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was just going to say that the the thing about this season was that United's attack was absolutely elite. The defence wasn't necessarily absolutely top class. But what it meant was that when we played against teams who we should be beating... Who were you know they're usually quite difficult to break down, quite difficult to play against. We had the quality to break them down, but if they, they didn't have much going forward, it didn't necessarily expose the back four. So mm. that you know, Bromby were almost perfect patsies for us in that regard. That they they weren't necessarily particularly adventurous and would try not to concede, but United just had way too much quality to, to not um, break them down.
2: Yeah, once we smelled blood
1: as well, that was it, wasn't it? It was, and and we should remember that the, the 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 goal difference that we gained from this game and, and the home game were actually pretty vital in the in the fact that we the last game was relatively nerve free or far more le- less nervy than it could have been if mm. if if mm. the goal difference had been very close because as you and I were chewing the cud over earlier, looking at the different <laughs> permutations for the for the final set of games, none of the other teams that were in and around United as the potentially the best second place teams had a goal difference mm. of above about plus one. Um, mm. So it made a lot of difference us letting loose on Bromby there to to kind of ease the ease the nerves in that second half and the, the buying game that was the last game in the group. Yeah,
0: I mean the, the, that second game as well, the one at home that was early November, four nil up within half an hour. You know Beckham had scored within seven minutes, so again there's just no nerves. You know, I I think you mentioned there, which I guess Bromby, especially in that buying game, they had the time and they had the ability to just slow things down and suss things out, United did not allow them the opportunity in either of these two games to get steady and get solid and actually grow into the game, by the time they'd grown into the game they were already losing it heavily, (laughs) so Beckham, Andy Cole, Philip Neville Dwight York within that first half hour and then Scholes with the 63rd minute with the 5th, that was just great I mean it it was so nice, United had games like this every now and then, you know, you think back to the Porto one in the quarterfinals several years previously Sometimes we play Galatasaray. I think we beat them four nil at one point, and every now and then we'd have these European games where we just let loose, and it was always good to watch.
2: It makes such a difference, doesn't it, as a fan watching where you go two three nil up early on, it just and you suddenly relax, you know. Whereas <clears throat> you know so often with United, we would leave it to the last minute, especially in this season. Yeah,
0: and at that point as well, Bayern had beaten Barcelona two one in Catalonia, meaning that United were top of the group by one point. And Barca were on the verge of being knocked out if they didn't win the next game, which was uh I guess unluckily for them at home to us two weeks later mm. now rich um which would you prefer out of these two three, three games because they both give me kittens, I mean yeah. so messy, so much bad defending, but so intensely watchable at the same time
1: I think the first the first game for me was more was more stressful because I felt that. Particularly in the as the game went on, Barcelona grew into that game enormously and United were under serious pressure and it felt like we could, we could seriously lose that game, which would have been a devastating blow to have lost that game at home to Barcelona. And it, I think it would have impacted on the rest of the group stage. Whereas the away game was a really strange one because once we'd recovered from the going goal down really early on, the frustration was that United didn't win the game, not that we ever looked like we were going to lose it. It was more fun to watch than the home game had been, which was just basically one of those ones you watch... From behind the sofa, or after about five pints, and that's it. Or that's both, kind of, or both, and that's the only way you can <laughs> <clears throat> only way you can go through it. But yeah, again, the Barcelona this Barcelona game, you know, it's a game I can remember thinking about when we went into it, and not really, and certainly I didn't expect us to be as good as we were in periods in that game because I still hadn't kind of adjusted to the fact that United might be one of the best. The very best teams in Europe, but the way that we responded to that early goal and, and, and against the quality of players that, that we were playing against, and, and in some, another ground where it's the kind of stadium where you, and the team you go to, and that's where you really measure yourself against against the biggest teams in Europe, and we actually went yeah. there and we we gave it a really good go, and at times we cut them to pieces. So I think I came out of the first game with an enormous sense of relief, but the second game with a lot of frustration, but also more confident again that we were able to, to kind of compete at that level.
2: It was the first time for me I think though the two Titans playing against each other, but it was the first time I'd really seen United as a Titan. At the new camp, after, you know, a few years before that, obviously we had been embarrassed there and Yeah, we were just fearless, we were stunned going forward. Um and again obviously at the back, which Michael played really well that that night I remember. Yeah he did. It just made some absolutely unbelievable saves. Yeah, I mean two quality quality teams just going at it as it was like a cup final almost. It was that kind of atmosphere, that kind of um speed of play and fantastic to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean it was it was a lesson for United early on though, wasn't it? You know, just looking at the lineup as well. Eighteen-year-old Xavi Hernandez starting off with, uh, uh, I'm not going to try his first name. Bruglerlamb Zendon. Uh, I've never been able to say it. And Figo flanking Anderson up front again. Giggs was injured. Uh, Wes Brown was at right back, so Gary Neville was alongside Stam at centre back, and that did not go well. <laughs> he <laughs> was, a, yeah. They always they always
2: used to say, "Oh yeah, well he used to be a centre back, you know, when, when he was uh, going through the to the youth system." But, I mean, he stopped growing. He did that so. well. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> I mean, it was terrifying. And he must have been terrified.
0: Oh, it was, it was a terrible start, wasn't it? I mean, Sergi, again, was a top-class player playing on, uh, I think it was left flank, and he was super... Not, no, not element. was there. Was it on the left flank. No, it'd be the right flank. Yeah, Sergi was a real danger on that right flank and he was having a great old time. And Sonny Anderson ended with the ball around Gary Neville and he just easily confounded him and then shot into the right-hand corner. Michael barely even moved and it was 1-0 on the first minute. And it was, it was tricky to watch United, especially before we got that equaliser. We just were not in that game at all. You know, Rivaldo was having so much fun and Schmeichel, as you mentioned there, Paul, was, was immense, doing he? really well. To, yeah, he, he was basically keeping us in that game. You know, there were several occasions where Barcelona were just sweeping forward and we had no answer to it. We had no control in midfield at all.
2: Just the atmosphere as well, and the pressure of it all. And, you know, obviously United fans would have been fearing the worst. And at that point, really, it felt like this... Unless we really get a foothold in this game, they're going to tear us apart, and it's going to be another mm. of those games where we get torn apart by one of the big teams in Europe. But obviously, getting that equaliser just and after that, well, you know, we really we settled down.
1: This I think is a great goal as well. Was. This wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, fantastic goal. Yeah, I think there was a degree of this, and we spoke about this in the league campaign as well. This team kind of finding finding itself and gaining its gaining confidence as it went as it progressed through this through the season and through the tournament the equalizer from york which really came out of absolutely nothing we hadn't looked lower like we in the game at all great ball
2: from blanquist
1: it was a great ball from blanquist and a really really brilliant finish really from yeah. to take it as quickly as he did and firing that, that that sharply but it's almost like we, we we did that and then we thought you know what we can we can have a go at these we can we can cut these this, these apart and we almost yeah. grew we grew in confidence from that point and we were talking about previous seasons and how we were going to Munich and going to Barcelona and these are the big challenges. But United hadn't gone away to a top European team and got a result to that point no. in the cha- in the Champions League under Fergie.
2: Just like fans will be, will, be, will be thinking about that going into these games, the players would have been too. They would have been thinking, oh, last time, this sort of thing. You know, Like you say, it was a real coming of age, thing.
0: And we dealt with that pretty well, to be fair. I mean, uh, Rich, I think you mentioned when we were looking at uh, York and Cole this season, York in that goal in that instance does what Andy Cole is so good at doing this season in the sense that he doesn't take much time before he shoots and he keeps uh, catches keepers off guard did really well for that equaliser and then it is essentially the York and Cole show for the most, <laughs> most of that second half isn't it Well at least for a couple of key moments so let's go over that second goal Keen to York let it run through his legs to Cole one touch to York and he completely sold Okonomu with that touch back to Cole inside the area who stroked it into the far corner on 53 minutes Two one, Van Haal looking on. He completely bamboozled is Van Haal. And uh Andy Cole manages to find a bunch of the away fans and is getting completely grabbed by the entire lot of them. Beautiful.
1: That's my that's my greatest recollection of the goal. That just him him there's a close up of him running over to the to the stand to to celebrate, Assu- you assume in front of a sea of Barcelona fans, and then there's just like these two or three United fans going nuts at the front of the by the hoardings. But it was. just another ridiculous goal, wasn't it? We, I was, didn't say about the, the, the Bromby games, but the, the quality of the goals in the mm. home game as well were absolutely insane. And that was just another one. We were comp- we were so spoiled in terms of the, the 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 quality of our attacking play that season. And I think the most the most effective partnership obviously was became York and Cole, and that was just kind of per- the perfect example of the almost sort of instinctive, yeah, um, psychic combination they'd they. Forge with each other
2: I think uh, aside from obviously the obvious in, in the final I think that's probably my most memorable goal of, of the campaign because um, like you say it just summed up York and Cole and, and two players just really at the peak of their powers and, and with the perfect partner I don't know it's one of those goals you know where, where you're watching it and every single touch is just like oh 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 and then quite so often oh. they don't go in do they um, and this one did and it was a beautiful finish and yeah fantastic to watch yeah,
0: I mean, those were very interesting noises you were doing there, building yeah. towards a climax. I didn't quite come <laughs> off there, Paul, so thanks for stopping <laughs> us That I guess. I realised <laughs> as
2: I was doing it and thought, meh. Thank goodness. <laughs> That's not.
0: Right, here we go. Another Schmeichel howler to talk about. Uh, Blanc-Biscotting, a pretty soft free kick way out from a tangle with Figo. And then looking at this free kick again, it's very much akin to the the free kick in the final and several months later on where Schmeichel's taking a touch to the opposite way the ball's going. He commits to his left-hand post and it just bounces in around the wall onto the right-hand post, and Schmeichel's so far away from it. He's, again, completely useless and a spectator. Several moments like that during this campaign. Obviously, it's offset by the fact that he saved us so many times during the course of the season and prior. But yeah, some of these errors are terrible, aren't they?
1: There was an element of Schmeichel in that, in that season, just losing a touch of his anticipation. Perhaps of his, he was still the absolute master of the of the kind of instinctive fill the goal, say block on a striker bearing down on him. But there are a few times in that in 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 the season where he kind of just momentarily just lost a bit of concentration, and it and it cost United. And that was that was another example of just where he'd that just that just that moment that moment that split second of thought and perhaps the. The muscle twitch fibers push. You know, the instinctive kind of agility just wasn't wasn't quite there all the time. But it's frustrating because United had turned it around and then conceded what was quite a soft goal.
0: Yeah, and then we we're going to turn around it again and concede another pretty bad goal from there too. <laughs> but this was another great cross by Beckham just on the 68th minute. Has committed. And for some reason, despite being served several warnings and surely they must have had some idea that we're actually pretty good at scoring goals from uh, headers, you're completely left alone, inexplicably in the middle of Bar- Barcelona's penalty area. And he just tucks it in. Has committing, coming out far too quickly. And yeah, it had been coming. United had been building a bit of a head of steam since that second goal from Barca. But... Then again, another really bad goal to concede. Don't, it was still really high quality from Rivaldo, Paul. It was that overhead kick, but he, there was so much space and time between Stam and Neville for that third one. And from that goal onwards, United were in real danger of losing this game, weren't we?
2: Yeah, I think they hit the bar as well, didn't they? I think R- Rivaldo hit hit the bar. Um, there was a great save from Giovanni. Yeah, we just looked all a bit at sea, really. You know, going from not in control. Obviously, never in control against Barcelona at that stage, but. You know, we looked we looked pretty decent, we we got the lead and it was really frustrating because um I mean that would have just wrapped up the whole thing, wouldn't it? You know, it was still a decent result, but again just making it difficult for ourselves we
0: well, were pretty good at that though weren't we I mean 3-3 that meant that Barcelona had been knocked out of the group so it was essentially down to United and Bayern to figure out at home on Old Trafford on the 9th of December who was going to go through as top of the group Rich now we, we've gone back and forth to try and make sure that we understand the context of how the second place qualifiers go through United from your markings and your workings had a pretty good chance of going through and it was going to take a pretty big muck up for us to go out
1: yeah I mean as it as it ended up um, United finished on ten points, and the, the next um, highest point-scoring second-place team finished up had eight. Now there were some permutations that could have caused United problems. I think um, I think it may have been if, if Olympiakos had won. There's one there's one result that if if a team had won, they could have gone on to, to ten points, and United could have gone out if they'd lost this this game. But a draw was almost all, certainly likely to take us through. And I think the way the game progressed as well. By the time um, we got into the kind of like the first, the last twenty five minutes of the game, Bayern and United were fairly content with the idea that they were both going to go through if they drew, and it kind of petered out from there. But um, it wasn't looking back at the groups now; it wasn't quite as stressful as it may appear if you if you were to look at without the context of the, the different games that were being played on the last game of the season, the last last game of the groups.
0: I mean, it's the one of the least interesting, if probably the least interesting of the six by some way. It was a 1-1 draw at home. I remember Roy Keane started us off just before the uh, halftime break. Uh, let's have a look. Beckham with a long-range pass out to Giggs. He lets it run a little bit, and he was forced quite wide. But, Paul, I mean, I, I mean you love Keane anyway, but I'm sure you would have loved watching this one again. Uh, he basically hit it just across the edge of the penalty area and he does this so well. He just strikes it so purely yeah. and can't had absolutely no chance from outside the area 1-0 and Keane doing keen things.
2: Keane doing keen things as he, as he did so often that season. And lovely bit of, bit of skill from Giggs as well which left the defender on the floor which is always a lovely thing to see. Um, but yeah, Keane, you're right about this the way he struck the ball and he was, he was a great passer of the ball as well and I've probably harped on about this before but you know he, there was something crisp about the way he hit the ball. And again, you know, my hatred of Khan just you know it was perfect for me Keane scoring past Khan brilliant bring it on
0: mm, yeah so I guess at the end of that game Rich there we are qualified in second in that group despite drawing four times hadn't lost crucially though and that set us up for a court final meeting with Inter Milan first leg at Old Trafford now again it, the way these seasons have all sorted out is very very strange looking back at all the details so it gives a bit of context in terms of the teams that we play in the knockout stages Inter Milan finished the Serie A season of 97-98 in 2nd and then would finish the following one in 8th Juventus won Serie A in 97-98 and then would finish 7th the following season but then Inter Milan managed to finish top of this group with Real Madrid who'd won the Champions League the previous season
1: (laughs) And you've had you've been in the previous three Champions League finals, I think, as well. So they had, yeah. And, you know, they're still still looking at midfield with, with David Zidane, Didier Deschamps, and you know a, a, the big core of the their sort of most successful team of that era. So it was a really really strange season. And Inter had a lot of a lot of talent, but they'd had a lot of injury problems as well. Ronaldo had quite a few injuries and wasn't really fully fit. and... Baggio as well and it was I don't know it's just a really strange season for both of those teams but but whereas they really struggled in the league they were absolutely exceptional in the in the Champions League until the point that United got hold of them yeah
0: I mean mentioning those players let's have a look Javier Zanetti Yuri Djokaev you mentioned Ronaldo Chile's Ivan Zamorano I mean there's so much quality in that side not necessarily quality that's at the absolute top of its game but a really good team there
2: And there's, there was the whole back and thing as well wasn't there
0: there was indeed, yeah, this is their first meeting since that red card in the last 16 meeting in France 98, so yeah, a lot was made up of that initial handshake, wasn't there
2: Paul? Yeah, it was, yeah, I mean it was always going to be, wasn't it, and Beckham was having the season of his life at that point, I'm not sure how Simeone was playing for him, in, 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 certainly in the league, but perfect United team, you know, perfect lineup. and I just thought United, again, with Beckham's crossing, just absolutely off the charts that season and, and in this game. Um, and another York header. I mean, how many times do we, we, we say Beckham crossed the York header? It's just unbelievable.
0: Many. <laughs> and yeah. it started, again, this is one of those games where United started off incredibly quickly, like they did in the home game against Barcelona, and were ahead in six minutes. You know, a loose bouncing ball coming out to Beckham on the right-hand side, of course. Hit a first-time cross without even taking a touch. And York, unmanned, who sends a diving header to Pagliuca's far post, now this was something that Inter struggled with throughout the entirety of this tie. For you know, and obviously there's there's this sense of Italian teams defending incredibly well, you know, this is uh, an accepted fact for what people who don't watch a lot of Italian football say. But for a supposedly miserly defense such as Inter, they get caught up in this exact situation so many times. The inability to mark either York or Cole in these situations is terrible, especially in this first leg. Another note as well. Did you notice the entire security staff behind the East End goal jumping <laughs> up in unison where they should have been keeping an eye on the crowd for that first goal?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It was it, 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 there's just something really wonderful about the intensity that United had in that first half of that game. Um, mm. and, you know, we saw it quite a lot, but but to actually, it, it's something we miss a lot now. Is is United coming out in games and absolutely flying into teams and into? You know, we took you talked about. Their defensive strength, but, but the Italian league was incredibly strong at that time, and there were some some really wily characters in that inter team. But they just couldn't they couldn't live with the intensity and the quality of United attacking play. As you say, they got done twice by the same by the same thing. And it's probably given the quality of the players we had and the the attacking play that we had it's perhaps being harsh to criticize too much. But York in particular just seemed to find a way to find space in the area again, again and again.
0: Well, I mean. I think there's an element that you do have to be quite critical don't you because it was uh, it was evident from the off that Colonese Burgamy and Galante were having real problems with the movement of York and Cole mm-hmm. not less the delivery of Beckham but they just never got a hold of it you know it's no. not like they didn't have warnings you know there was another couple of fantastic Beckham crosses he was running this game from the right flank he was absolutely superb and York managed to get into in between Burgamy and Galante but couldn't get his head of goalwards and then it was Cole I think Colonese missed his touch, and he had space and just flicked it past Pagliuca's go- uh, goal. And then the actual second goal came just before half-time. And it's Beckham on the right, York and Cola giving the inter-centre-back trio nightmares, and York gets there first in between a group of players with Pagliuca just absolutely uh, innocent spectator. He had no chance of doing anything. I remember in particular going into the second half of that game, I'd wondered and noted just how quiet Baggio and Zamorano had been coming into that game too.
1: I think, I think that's more... The the, the the quietness of United of um, Inter's attacking players in that that first half was more a reflection of just the the intensity that United started with and the fact that Inter just couldn't get hold of the ball for any period of time they couldn't get hold of the ball they couldn't get it into dangerous areas so they just weren't able to feed their their dangerous players and and such was the such was the pace and the intensity that United were playing at they, it was really more a case of just trying to hang on um, and get back into the game in the second half which it did to a slightly greater degree
0: yeah I mean that second half I mean we were speaking about this earlier Rich when I said that it didn't go quite as comfortably as I thought it did that second half did not make for pretty watching the best chances apart from having York having a decent chance at the start of the second half uh, to make it 3-0 most of the best play of that second period comes from inter they really started responding we've got zamorano's header the diving header with michael essentially sticking out what his wrist incredible reactions to keep that one out from close range it's a great header from zamorano but yeah that goal, paul that came from badger buying a very light free kick after basically running into and bouncing off yapstam uh, the resulting free kick went out for a corner. Baggio sending it in. Side note: I couldn't. I didn't even know Baggio did corners. Wonderful work. Um, Simeone blasted it in, and obviously the reaction was incredible. But it was disallowed. Now was it Henningberg getting pulled up back in the build up for that one?
2: I think so. Yeah, yeah I, I, think I remember going absolutely yeah. mental because it was him. I mean, obviously because the goal being disallowed, but particularly because it was him um, after what happened with Beckham and stuff. You look back now and think it was kind of childish, really, to hate a guy that much just because he got a. Back and sent off, but yeah, it was lovely that it was him. And eighteen-year-old um, Paul was uh, pretty tough to see that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can imagine he was. One thing, eleven-year-old uh, you wasn't particularly tough to see was Nicola Venter going really close on a couple of occasions. Uh, Venter was bearing down on goal, only for Schmeichel to deflect his shot out past the post with the tip of his boot, and then Venter again racing past Stam like he wasn't even there. Schmeichel blocks the initial effort, but he comes out to Colin who who routed Schmeichel. And then Hanningburg with probably his best moment in the United shirt, blocked it off the line. Superb piece of skill.
1: We did. I can remember the, the enormous cheer when he when, when he cleared that off the line. Because we would really kind of been hanging on a bit. And that was kind of the moment, I think, where we where the crowd thought, you know, we're probably, we, might, we might get away with this now. He just told you the amount of pressure we were under, that, that a clearance off the line brought about an enormous cheer that was kind of... Half a goals worth of, of of celebration. The thing is, though,
2: I mean, when when you're playing these kind of teams, you know, already we've spoken about Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and now Inter Milan. They're going to have periods of pressure, and I think, yeah. like you said, it's it's like a, a clear goal line clearance or a crunchy tackle can can have a similar effect on, on certainly on the crowd and probably on the team as well as as a goal. Sometimes, in when when you're under that much in, intense pressure
0: and the stakes are that high. It's huge. I mean, to actually get through that game without conceding an away goal sets up pretty nicely for what turned out to be another pretty stressful night in Italy in the San Siro for the away leg. Let's have a look. March 17th, that was the date of the second leg, and it all came down to Paul Skull's late goal. But before we get there, we have the fact that Ronaldo came back into the starting lineup for that game. Uh... There's not a hell of a lot to say about his performance in the sense that he was essentially being rushed back obviously it was huge that he was back and available for the side but Inter's best moments weren't necessarily involving him now the first big moment was uh Henningberg only being able to get a touch on a ball played in even Zamorano taking it right off his foot rounding Schmeichel with the ball but Schmeichel completely missing the ball now the referee was very insistent that this was a dive. <laughs> I've looked back on it again, and I think Zamorano's problem is that he's going down before the contact comes. I think it was one hundred
1: percent a penalty. I think it, it, with VAR these days, I think it would be given as a penalty personally. I think you are right. I think that's what it, that's the, the thing that put the, the doubt in the referee's mind was the, the fact that he was going down slightly before the contact came. But it was, it, I think, these days, it was it would be a penalty.
0: Yeah, Henningberg was getting a bit of a bollocking for that. But he actually did another moment of wonderful redemption a couple of minutes after that. Uh, Zanetti sending a great cross in and Zamorano was about to score and then he just hooked it away incredibly inches before it was getting close to Zamorano's head and got it clear. Um, But United really were living dangerously in the first half of this game. I don't think we... Yeah, we didn't really have a decent chance in that entire half, did we? And Zanetti hit the post with an incredible strike and a half volley... Uh, chipping over Schmeichel, but it then came out and I think it was offside from there. So United were really living dangerously. And it had been coming when they actually eventually took the lead on the night. Nicola Ventola, who had looked pretty useful and dangerous in the first leg a couple of weeks previously. Andrea Perlo sending in a bit of a dinked cross that seemed to bamboozle United. Uh, Roy Keane tried to flick it, but it just bounces over the edge of his Dodgy hips, mate. And he can't get anything on it. Dodgy Dodgy hips. Oh yeah, yeah. Dodgy hips, of course. Yeah. Is that what we're blaming this yeah. one on?
2: <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't his finest moment. Um, it wasn't United's defence, his finest moment. I mean, why the hell was Roy Keane, the lamb man, back there? I mean, it was a frenetic game this though, wasn't it? And we did look all, a bit all at sixes and sevens quite often. Quite a spicy off the ball, quite a few little sort of niggly fouls. And I just don't think we ever really got going.
0: No, I mean, I think, Rich, it did seem that Ferguson had said to the team, we just need to be careful here and try and keep... Our lead intact, and it looked like they were they were playing for a draw at the minute. That's what it seemed like, anyway.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's it was it was a really strange game in a season where United were rarely really blunted by anybody. But what what was quite notable throughout the rest of the the competition, with the exception of the, the Bromby games, is the, the opposition was always in in the game. So there was never there'd never been a point before it or even after it after this game where United could even think about just trying to keep it tight and. And, and trying to keep hold of what they've got because they never had enough in hand at any other point to to do that. And it's quite it was really unusual to see United do that. And I'm not sure whether it was a case of Fergie saying saying to them, "Look, just try and keep your heads, keep it tight." And but but I mean, if that were the case, it would be pretty clear after the first 20 25 minutes that that wasn't really going to be a very posi- a very positive plan, given the way that Inter were really pressing. And I think the degree of it was we just couldn't get hold of the ball, we just couldn't get any control in the game, and Inter were just Relentlessly pressurizing it. He pulled the level one for Ryan Giggs, didn't he, in the second half? So yeah, he, he did. Yeah, definitely playing for a draw at that point. This is this is this is the game that the this is the one point. I mean, even at the Juve ties, I never ever felt like United were completely rocking. Even at two nil in the semi final, I felt we had we had something in us. But this is the one where I thought, you know, we're not at this at all, and we could really really go out here if if we get. And it, ultimately, we did get a bit lucky. We got lucky to to still be in the game enough to that, that the late goal from Scholes, we were in a position to score that late goal and go through.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's that Zayalius chance, isn't it? It's the one where is getting tack on the edge of the box and the ball squirts out to him. He takes one touch, but it's wide of Schmeichel's far post. Mm. That probably should have been it. And that would have been 2-2 on the night, which meant that United, if they did get that away goal, then the tie would have basically been all over. Mm. But where was the goal coming from?
2: That's the thing. If Ronaldo had been fully fit and injury free then
0: but Paul the goal did come and come it did two minutes from time and it came from across because of course it did this was a Gary Neville one though yeah and it was a Cole who chested it sorry headed it down for skulls. he had enough time to let it bounce and then he just let Pagliuca commit and sent it straight through the middle he dived to his right 1-1 on the night interneeding three goals at that stage in 98 minutes game over what a relief game
2: over massive relief yeah absolutely huge relief um I mean, there's nothing else to say. From it. You know, just the, the the sense of relief was was unbelievable. You can see that
1: from the players as well. You see Beckham's Beckham's reaction to that goal was basically to, to go a bit a bit mental, wasn't it? it's kind of like almost like stomping yeah. on the spot with because you know they, they clearly are aware of the pressure they've been under, and that was a real massive moment of release for the for the whole team and for the fans and everybody.
0: That that ended that tie relatively nicely. It was it was great to see United battle their way through that second leg, in particular. And that made for a very interesting semi final lineup. So that was Juventus squeaking past and then 3 uh, 2. Dinamo Kiev knocked out the reigning champions, Real Madrid, uh, thanks to a 2 0 win in the Ukraine with Andrew Shevchenko scoring those goals. And then Bayern Munich waltzed past Kaiserslautern 6 0 on the old German tie, leaving a semi final lineup of Dinamo Kiev versus Bayern and us against Juventus. Because, of course, if we were going to do anything in Europe that was going to be positive, we had to beat Juventus, didn't we, Rich?
1: Yeah, we didn't. Gary Neville's face said it all, didn't it? When it, when he's been interviewed after the inter game, and he's asked who we got in the semi, and said Juventus, and he kind of pulled this Wallace and Gromit face—just just <laughs> absolute <laughs> horror—that we were going to have to beat beat Juve in there. I mean, these days, I, I I wonder, sort of, in these times, the manager would be absolutely fuming if the if a player had kind of yeah. showed a moment, showed that weakness or fear in an again an opposition's team. I, I wonder if um, if Fergie ever said saw it or said anything to him about it, but.
0: Well, maybe, but Ferguson, I think, realised just how much of a task it was to overhaul yeah. Juventus. Yes, we, when we played them in 97-98, we beat them at home, but they were still ostensibly the team to beat. You know, it, it was, was still...
2: psychological barrier yeah. wasn't against them as well, I think. Mm. I mean, they had a fantastic team as well. Great manager in Ancelotti, but you know, some unbelievable players. They're down in Davids, Deshaun like Rich said before. But then it was like, yeah, they'd schooled us on previous occasions and you're right you, and if, you know if you, the gods were saying well if you're going to do it you know these are the guys you've got to do it against and yeah it was it was it was fantastic fantastic result in the end but my god didn't start brilliantly. They? they
1: schooled us in the first half didn't they yeah they did yeah, the first thing
2: it started like a train and you know I think Schmack saved pretty early on from Inzaghi was just like here we go again sort of thing <laughs>
0: Right, time for a quick break and a chance to mention that this week's episode is brought to you in association with the Pitch Sports app, which can be downloaded from the Apple and Google Play stores. You can join in with both Football Manager and FIFA 2000 simulations of games that are currently suspended, challenge your mates, and compare your starting 11s. So you get on. It's a great little way to pass the time at the moment. So that's Pitch Sports on the Apple and Google Play stores. Uh... God, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not enjoying thinking back to that game right now because that first half, initially the game ended quite well for us and it was fantastic to get that late goal from Giggs, but it was really tough to see United making it through that first half and pre hair plugs Antonio Conte giving Juve the lead. Massive gap at the back. I don't know why Keane's that far back on his line and getting involved with what Stam and who else was a centre-back that night. Let's take a look. Henning Berg was getting involved in, but... Still, you know, it's David's great pass to Conte. He took it, exploited the space. Poor defending, Conte takes one touch, gives himself a little bit of space in the penalty area, hits it across Schmeichel, can't get down quick enough. There's a couple of occasions where Schmeichel had thankfully gotten down quick enough and blocked from Inzaghi. And Inzaghi had been a problematic player for United this time. They were time. so
2: dangerous, weren't they, yeah. They were absolutely cutting through us.
0: Yeah, I mean, it took a while for United to actually get any sort of foothold in the game, didn't it? You know, and it yeah. was... Geez, I think it was Giggs making a cross towards Cole and General Puritzi managed to get enough to put Cole under pressure and he couldn't couldn't go the header on targets. But it was looking much more likely that Juve were going to make it 2-0 that United were going to make it one all on the night. You know, I, I couldn't see United building ahead of steam in that first sort of hour or so. It just looked like we were blown away by Juve. You know, it, it felt very much like those initial group stage games where we were being given a lesson. What do you think Ferguson does with a game like that, though, Rich? How does he respond with the tools at his disposal?
1: God, I don't, I don't know. Now it was almost like we go, we gave you too much respect, didn't we? It was, it was almost, yeah. almost you know, kind of Gary Neville thing of wow, they're really good. We can't come out the same way we did against Inter. We, we, we're going to have to be a bit more clever about this and just see see what they what they do. That whole first hour or so of that game was really United just jabbing at them from distance, but not, but not ever landing, having the confidence to throw a big a big punch at, at Juve and it, it's, it's kind of ironic that the time when United really got up ahead of steam was the point at which they didn't have any choice it's almost like they hadn't mm. been brave enough to do it to that point but they got to a point where they didn't have any other option and the final kind of 10 minutes or 10 or 15 minutes were really a, you know all United
0: well there's so many chances to talk about in that second half aren't there you know that let, let's talk about the Ilioliano definitely would be a VAR penalty slash red card in the modern day that wasn't given mm-hmm. so Cole crossing in for the left Giggs chesting it down but his initial effort from several metres out was blocked came out to Skulls two metres out and he put it past the post but the initial shot from Giggs Ilioliano is basically trying to stick his out in a failed attempt to steady himself but he sticks it out right in front of the ball it's got to be a red card and the referee completely misses it
2: yeah absolutely and and it's things like that on nights like that where you think, "Oh God, it's not going to happen, is it? It's not going to be our night."
0: Well, especially not when Sheringham got a goal written written off for offside yeah. as well.
2: Yeah, it Really did. And again, you know, looking back, you sort of on, on on this season, you think, "Oh yeah, there were all these last minute goals." You know, what an amazing season! But actually, at the time, it was absolutely horrendous. I mean, it's a great feeling when it works out, but it was tough to watch at times.
1: I can remember going absolutely bananas for that sharing goal. Absolutely bananas. Yeah. I, think, I think we've done it and I, I can't... I, there aren't too many goals that I've, I've seen United score that have then been ruled out that I've had such a big a big low from afterwards. It um, just kind of felt like that was the one and it uh, and he, and he was disallowed and it and kind of wasn't going to be our night.
0: We just kept going there, didn't we, Rich? Yeah, yeah. I mean side note, before that equaliser on the night anyway, I'm surprised the referee didn't blow it for Peruzzi when Cole took the ball around him he basically just runs into him and just blocks him off, the reaction from everyone around him seemed to be one of surprise and not outrage, and I wonder if that's made the referee decision for him, because no one seems to be complaining about it too much but he just goes in and just knocks him over he doesn't take him out with his legs or anything he just barges into him and knocks Cole over stunned that that wasn't called
1: I think it's because the game was at a point where it was so frenzied and everything was focused on just getting the ball into the net and throwing players forward and stuff. And it's almost like one of those moments where if it's in the first half or if it's in the first hour of the game, then the crowd go for it. But it was so, so intense and United just chucking everything forward that it was almost just willing the ball to be thrown into the box again or rather than actually stop to bother ourselves about whether our players just been cleaned out by the keeper. It's just mm. you, you're already looking to see where the ball's gone and to uh, to see whether we can get it back in the box again,
0: yeah, hey Paul, do you like a scrappy goal?
1: I love a scrappy goal, great, talk <laughs> to me about this scrappy
0: goal, then please <laughs>
1: um
2: it was seriously scrappy, um, but what a feeling gigs I remember the gigs just being fantastic in the second half, just again against Inter, obviously we talked about the relief. this was just like a it was it was a a, a life jacket almost you know. Because mm. going to to Juventus one nil down, they have got the away goal. Even then, it's an uphill real. Seems like a real uphill struggle, and particularly with that that psychological fear we had about Juventus that we talked about earlier. That just this lifeline, oh, the, the it just took the roof off. Absolutely took the roof mm. off, and and mm. suddenly suddenly you did. You you start believing. Well, this we could do this. You know, it's Juventus, and, and we've finally not lost to them. We can actually go. We can we can go and and win this tie.
0: I mean, spot on, it was a lifeline. We needed it, you know. I mean, I'm not saying that United weren't capable of overturning a 1-0 deficit going to the Stadio Olimpico in a couple of weeks, but the psychological, at the time anyway, because obviously the start of the the second leg did not go according to plan, but at the time, actually getting that equaliser as late on as it was, felt like a significant edge going into the second leg. It was big for us, and especially because we'd spent so long in that second half, pounding against the door there, trying to get an equaliser. It felt like a it felt really significant, didn't it, Rich?
1: Yeah, it did. And remember as well, we'd still not we'd still not won away away against a, a really top European side. You know, we'd lost twice away against Juve in the Champions League already in the previous years. we we lost in Dortmund when it really counted in the semi final. We'd drawn in um in Milan, in Barcelona and in Munich um in this in this season. We hadn't, won. we hadn't won away against anybody of, of, of serious repute. So to have gone into that game 1-0 down and knowing that we had to do something we'd never done under Fergie to that point in the Champions League, that would have been a big, a big psychological blow, whereas that late equaliser meant that we could, you know, potentially we could come away with the same result we'd had in Munich or the same result we'd had in Barcelona and gone through. It changed the context of the tie a lot. And admittedly, that context didn't last very long once the game started <laughs>
0: no it did not no. but again there's so much and we were speaking about this before we started recording this is the moment for the Champions League campaign where what we're doing in and around European competition really comes to the fore because in between these two legs against Juventus United played Arsenal twice You know, the first uh, initial semi-final tie at Villa Park, which was 0-0. And obviously the 2-1 win in the replay three days later. Obviously we played in the league three days later and beat Sheffield Wednesday. But to have a game like the Arsenal replay just once in the season, or at least a decade is one thing. To have a game like the Juventus one just a week later. God, we were spoiled. It was incredible this match, wasn't it, Paul?
2: It was, and this United team was obviously a fantastic team, one of the best teams we've seen. But it was also the the mental strength that they showed in adversity, and, and that really came to the fore against Juventus in a way. Like, and I mean, it's it's probably one of my most memorable games watching United. I mean, I didn't obviously go, but everyone knows I'm a massive Roy Keane fan, and this was <laughs> this, this was the Roy Keane show for me. You know, it, it was.
0: Roy Keane knows you're a Roy Keane fan. That's how much.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it was, and, and this is probably, you know, it's, it's games like this is the reason that I am such a massive Roy Keane fan. There's everything about it, you know, the the colours of the kits and the, the atmosphere, the, the stakes being so high, going 2-0 down and so early on. I mean, I was so deflated when that second goal went in. I was so deflated when the first goal went in, but you know, I'm, I'm, I, I know Rich said he always felt that can still get back into it. I didn't at this point. I'm thinking, to 0, I'm thinking,
0: this is it. I wasn't sure what to think, to be honest. I mean, there was no. so much going it on as well. Shell shock. In... Well, I mean, it was a really tricky game for United coming into it because we had so many bookings as well. You know, Roy yeah. Keane, Dennis Irwin, Ronnie Onson, and Paul Scholes were all the booking away from missing the final. So, yeah, Paul Scholes didn't start but started ahead of him, and Giggs was completely missing through injury. And it's one thing going into a game with all of that. It's another thing going into the old Italian-style Olympic stadiums, which I've never enjoyed United playing at. They're just so intimidating. And yeah. it wasn't a great start. You know, as you mentioned, that first goal. Uh, oh, goodness me. I mean, it, Davids was playing a great game already, and Pasotto was having a great time down uh, United's right-hand side. And then it's Zidane with a quick 1-2 for Olivia from the corner, and it wasn't even that great of a cross; it was just deep. Mm. And Gary Neville has basically managed to find himself on the wrong side of Inzaghi. He just tapped in from close range, and from that point onwards, you're thinking that is a massive psychological blow to get that first goal. And so I got, yeah, I got the sense from watching the way that Inter was sorry, uh, Juve was striding back to the halfway line to get the restart going again; they felt that was a massive blow to United to concede that early. But initially, Rich, we seemed to respond quite well. Not only to that, but the second goal as well, which is even worse.
1: It was even worse, wasn't it? It was just, just such an ugly goal. It's such an unfortunate goal as well. The, you know, the chances of of the shot basically being deflecting off Stams' foot onto the ground and then bouncing right over an extremely tall goalkeeper and and, and perfectly floating itself into the far corner. It was just mm. it was just kind of the the ultimate indignity. But the one thing about it was. The reason why it didn't feel like it was it was done is just it happened so early. We were, we were two goals down so early in the game. Yeah,
0: eleven minutes gone, we were two 0 down, three one down on aggregate.
1: We were, and the other thing was, and I, and I had absolutely no idea why I wasn't watching this game in the pub because I watched. I was largely drunk for most of this Champions League run, but for some reason I was watching this <laughs> at home. And this this is the only this is the only game, Man United game, I've ever ever known that my mum sat down and watched with me. My mum doesn't care a monkey's about football. And we went two nil down, and she said, "She said to me, She said, oh dear.' she she said, 'She said, don't worry, you'll be all right.' And that, and that was it." This <laughs> is <laughs>
0: Can with the wisdom. Well played. I know
1: exactly, and, and and she was absolutely right. So who who am I to to mock her for it? Um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, as I said, United you know, dealt with the reaction for both goals quite well, even though obviously being two 0 down, three one down in aggregate at that early stage was huge. But Rich, play silence, please. We now need to give time to our good friend Paul Gunning. The soliloquy, his <laughs> moment. Roy Keane with a captain's goal for Manchester United. Paul, you have the floor.
2: Roy Keane with a captain's goal, but I mean I think that the next goal, obviously going to Ban, the next goal was so crucial. I think if Juve got it, then the Curtains for United up steps Roy Keane. And he was like in this game, even after he got his yellow card, in this game he was like the Army of the Dead from Lord of the Rings. just sweeping everything before him. Absolutely unbelievable, towering performance and a towering header to boot. Just streaming into the box, absolutely. No one was going to get that ball before him, and sure enough, he got it, and fantastic finish. And then he was that grabbing the ball out of the back of the net, and, come on, lads, we're going to do this sort of thing. Didn't give a
0: shit, did he? Just walked off. like Yeah, yeah, normal.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I I love the guy and this performance, just summed him up perfectly, absolutely fantastic.
0: And it wasn't long after that. he actually got his booking, wasn't it? Um, yeah. He's blaming Jesper Blomkvist for this, for a pass <laughs> on the halfway line. But I just want to point out that it was both Keane and Nicky Butt that completely failed to deal with this one. And then Keane pulls Zidane back and forced him to bring him down once Keane's lost control of the ball. And he's instantly turning around having a go at poor Jesper Blomkvist. I think there's an element to say that Keane's pretty culpable for conceding that yellow card.
2: Can you imagine what must have been going on though in in, in his mind when he got that yellow card? Mm. It must have been. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have been able to tell from his performance. I mean, if any, I don't know if you, if you could spur him on even more, but I'm not sure there are not that many other players. You know, he's the opposite of Paul Gascoigne in the 1990s, he, where Gascoigne's like crying about it. And I'm not saying that's that's wrong, by the way, but this was just this absolute defiance. Like, well, well, if if I'm gonna miss it. I'm going to make sure that I've done my bit. Unbelievable performance him. Mm.
0: And it wasn't long after that you have a car that United actually got back on level turns, not only on the night, but on aggregate as well, Rich. I mean, Neville with a good bit of defensive mopping up, sending a long ball that Beckham headed down to Cole. Cole with an in- a brilliant cross really for was. York, diving low. And then Perizzi, absolutely nowhere. 2-2 on the night, and suddenly United are laughing.
1: I absolutely love goals like that. Diving head away, the keeper doesn't even move. Mm. These are the best, but I think it was again. It, we we talked about the the frailties of the inter defence in the in the final but I think the movement of Cole and York that that season or during those the couple of seasons after it as well was just absolutely world class at all times and. And they they just they just had an instinct as to where the other would be and and what what type of ball they needed and that was just perfectly illustrated there and and York was really clever just to drop off the back of the defender and get get, get himself a couple of yards and and Cole just delivered the absolutely perfect perfect little sort of looped cross and it was just a it was just a really lovely goal and lovely lovely header and goalie just standing there and, and the, the moment that went in you could see that the wind went out of Juve. yeah. Hadn't Stam
2: cleared him off the line just before that as well, though?
1: Yeah, he did, yeah. It was then, around that he point, did, yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, Inzaghi was giving Stam a lot of trouble that night anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was almost a carbon copy of that second goal. But Schmeichel, thankfully, was wise to it and came off his line a lot quicker than he did for the second goal and managed to clear it. But, yeah, Inzaghi was giving us kittens all evening. But you're right, Rich. I mean, it was a big psychological hit for that second goal to go in. And United at that point were kind of able to control the game at kind of arm's length, really, weren't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you if you think Juventus at home or any Italian team at the time, but Juventus at home two 0 up, you think that's that's that that's game over. And it took it took a, a really monumental recovery from United to response from United to do that. But Juve just won't wouldn't have been used to that at all. No, they just wouldn't have been used to that in the slightest. And they'd been in the previous three Champions League finals. They hadn't they hadn't faced that kind of threat that level of threat in a home tie in, in a knockout game it just seemed like they didn't really know how to respond to it yeah and
2: as much as 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 you said you could see their sort of heads drop united's chest stuck out didn't they yeah. and-
0: Well, I mean, there's interesting things that come in for that side as well. You know, you mentioned Ancelotti was the manager, but he had only been hired in February. (laughs) They were having a weird, weird season, but you're not wrong at all. They were still, I mean, I've said this a couple of times, so permit me if I'm sounding a bit like a broken record, but god there's no overstating they were the team to beat they lost the last two champions league finals yes but they won the previous one by beating Ajax they were ostensibly one of the best sides at European football if not the best and it was huge that United were able to respond to this and not only that as you said Paul puffed their chest out looked like they actually got some measure of control on the game and to come back in the way that we did and haul ourselves back into that tie was absolutely gigantic Gantic. But like one of the big tactical things that, point, that pointed out from the shift from the inter tie, especially in the first half of that first leg at Old Trafford, to this tie against Juve, Juve in particular seemed to figure out that United's greatest strength, especially in the European game, was crossing from out wide and getting the ball to Beckham. Oh. Beckham is just not in these games very much at all what is happening a lot especially in the first half of that game at the Stadio Olimpico is that the ball is coming back to Neville he is pumping it forward and United are the first to either pick up the loose ball or getting that first touch and then getting a quick attack that's where uh, York's uh, shot from the post comes on which Brutzi does an incredible job to tip onto it but yeah that's, uh, that was a real notable change and it, it, again you know, you've got to give credit to Ferguson for spotting that Beckham wasn't able to get into the game and giving United another weapon with which to attack Ive with are you, are you, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, now you're all quiet because I've come up with an incredible bit of tactical analysis, which I never oh, do. I'm
2: just absolutely shocked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I don't know what to do. Are we talking tactics here? <laughs> I've not written any notes about tactics. <laughs> uh, I've got a few notes about uh, Clive Tilsey being on form. Could we talk about that instead? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the level of my insight. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. All right. But no, you you're absolutely talk... right, actually. No, yeah. you that, that was... Yeah, Fergie did do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Rich, anything to add before we carry on with this incredible analysis? I, 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 I feel <laughs> we should probably move on at this point. Fine, fine. Yeah, Juve were doing pretty well for... Well, I say pretty well. It was we we did a fair amount of defending before that cold goal came through i think it's fair to say right
1: yeah it was it was pretty stressful wasn't it like, the second half again it's just as with united so so often during the season just leaving the killing the killer blow as late as possible to uh, to to put us all through the mill
0: yeah i mean again just to mentioned, you know, we, we've been talking about PPO Inzaghi, where we haven't actually mentioned the man that's born offside. He actually does get an offside goal in this game, even though it is rightly chalked off. Uh, yeah. United just couldn't get the ball clear, Antonio Conte slid across the penalty area, but I mean, Inzaghi knows he's offside, but he celebrates it anyway. Yeah. But he actually, when the flag goes up, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, fair enough, I understand that, that's fair. Which is wonderful. I love a man that's self-aware to his failings.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Still a heart in the mouth moment though, wasn't mm. it?
0: Yeah, but then another hot in the mouth moment. Teddy Sirwin hit the flipping post.
2: Yeah, he did, not he? Bloody
0: hell, yeah. Yeah, Angelo Livio just allowed him to come straight up to the edge of the penalty area. He took a touch inside and smashed it, not only from there, but with his right foot. Perizzi didn't have any chance at all, and then he got the rebound as well, but he just sent it wide of the post. And then not long after that, uh, it was uh, Skulls coming on for Nicky Butt with a uh, yellow card that again i mean it's so incredible watching these games and seeing how many challenges could be just a straight red it's a nasty nasty lunge on didier deschamps and he looks surprised at the referee for giving the other card i guess maybe he thought well I'm a substitute i can't be booked straight away but good grief i mean modern day context he's lucky in 99 context he definitely was right to be booked there unfortunately
1: he had one of those a month didn't he yeah. He got yeah. sent off in the uh, in the the FA Cup quarter final against Chelsea as well with filthy filthy tackle in the in the first game, the home game. He, he did. It. He just yeah. had one of those a month where he he just went in studs up or in a way that could really do someone a, bit, a lot of harm, and then he'd stand up and look mm. really innocent. Like, look at me. I'm. Yeah. How could I look at my face? Look at my cherub- cherubic face. How could I I'd never go out to hurt anybody?
0: I'm smaller than ginger I don't do those things exactly but yeah we're getting closer and closer to full speed ahead Barcelona now Uh, in those sort of five ten minutes leading up apart from a couple of flashes at goal and I remember a shot going across the 6 yard box but no one really being there United were just probing and now waiting for that moment to kill the game off and when it comes it's beautiful isn't it it's a massive massive goal at, at goal kick up field by Peter Schmeichel Juve at this stage, even though there's plenty of time for Schmeichels, literally saying before he takes this goal kick, just wait a moment and letting people push at the pitch Paulo Montero has got a lot of space but it ball bounces off his shin into Dwight Yor's path and United just spring into action, it's wonderful to watch isn't it Paul, this this goal, I could watch it again and again.
2: Yeah it's fantastic I think the word spring is perfect because it is, it's just like this you just latch onto it, any little mistake that the opposition, mate. You know, York was brought down and Cole finished it with a really tight angle, but...
0: The more I see it, the more I'm surprised he got that in.
2: Yeah, but... It, well, yeah. But at the time, I remember... I, I remember just not having absolutely no doubt he was going to get it in because United were... were you know, they had the, the wind in the sails at that point. Cole's in fantastic form and, yeah, it just felt like it was going to happen. It was a great finish. Really, really good finish.
1: Here's the question, mm. though. I, I, it always bugged me at the time. I was wondering, you know, obviously, we never know the answer, but... If if your if Cole misses that, do we still get a penalty? I yeah, would, we, we must do. Yeah. Do you reckon? Do you reckon we're gonna die? Yeah, I yeah. mean,
0: I'm I'm sure the referee's playing advantage, and Peruzzi is either getting a, a booking or a red card or something. Mm. Either Peruzzi's getting sent off for taking down York, or we're getting a penalty. One of the two.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a, I mean, we don't care, do we? Obviously, but but it was it, it's just something that I, I wondered at the time because I'm a bit of a bit of a geek in that respect, but. It was such a soft goal for an Italian team to concede, as well, wasn't it? It was—it was kind of like the Inter the Inter game where the the opposition had had to just fling players forward, and they weren't really concentrating as much as they should have done in the back. And then we had just about the sort of safest seven minutes, seven or so minutes I can ever recall United having in a game of that that magnitude. <laughs> that magnitude. Um, yeah. And it was you—you saying you really kind of hated games at those old old Italian stadiums? De- Deli Alpi was—it was such a weird one. It's the pitch was so far from the from the stands and the stadium's half empty you know it's this, this is a old awful concrete bowl and the, the united fans were right up in the in the gods and i think along one of the sides once that goal kind of went in the whole the whole place just went silent except for the united fans and it was just just this really glorious kind of like final few minutes where we knew we were going to a champions league final at last but we could just kind of well, for the first
0: time in well yeah the first ever champions league final for us and the first european final that united have been into in the european cup for 31 years
1: yeah i mean it it was, it was incredible really you know all the missed, sort of missed chances the, the the moments that we had in the previous seasons where we we should have gone further and didn't and we finally actually kind of sealed the deal and got to a got to a champions league final
0: yeah i mean it didn't feel real i've got to admit especially yeah. a week after the game at villa park I couldn't quite process it, especially not in the way that we'd done it against such a strong side in particular, against such a previously miserly defence against a team that had had our number on so many occasions and still felt like a massive hurdle for us to overcome, to have gotten that victory in the manner that we did it. And coming back from two goals down, I mean, still in awe thinking about it now, 21 years later.
1: Yeah, but it was completely typical of, that. It was typical of a season, wasn't it? And typical of that team you know the number we talked about the FA Cup games as well but the number of times that united put in absolutely epic performances to win games in big games in the most dramatic of ways it it, it was almost yeah. happening it was happening every week wasn't it or it it felt like it was happening every week
2: just so much momentum about the team it was it was like an unstoppable force mm. almost you know and even going 2-0 down against juventus away from home when they got an away goal even that couldn't put us off so you know it was just and till still he did say something about destiny thinking his commentary there was a real sense at that point of 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 you know this, you know we've got to do this now we've got to, we've got to win the trouble now, that sense of destiny and you know sort of write your own script almost and um, yeah, fantastic performance yeah,
0: so that led us all on to winning the Premier League trophy from Arsenal, beating Newcastle united in the final of the f a Cup, and I think it was four days later this match in Barcelona at Camp now. Wow, I mean, so much has been talked about in this game and it's amazing to actually be able to sit down with the two of you and talk about it now. So I'm just going to rattle off some bits and bobs of context. First time that an Italian team hasn't been in the European Cup final for eight years since 1991 both teams at the time were going for the trouble obviously when the United were uh, Bayern still had the German Cup final to go against Werder Bremen two weeks more than two weeks after this final which they did lose but United obviously played that FA Cup final at Wembley thankfully as we mentioned in last week's Poderich didn't they have to do too much to win it <laughs> uh, I mean this was the age of golden goals as well so had the match ended in a draw it would have gone to golden goal extra time which would have been incredible fun I reckon uh, from the United side for the starting lineups Keane and Skulls were both suspended so Beckham was playing in the central midfield with Nicky Butt fist out on the left flank and Giggs on the right Schmeichel captaining the side for his last game prior to leaving the club I mean Rich in this game Schmeichel was basically trying to replicate his most potent 4-4-2 with Butt coming in for Keane and Beckham replacing Skulls wasn't he
1: yeah I mean it, it seems incredible now to, to think that we played a team of of Bayern's quality at that time essentially without our first choice midfield um, and you, you think of the importance of Roy Keane at that time the ability of Paul Scholes and to have to really make complete changes to the way that the the, the, set, the, the most key area of the team is, is built is, was a real impediment and and it did show in the game even though you could you could move David Beckham inside and, and play him as a central midfielder and he'd still have a brilliant passing range still be incredibly dangerous shooting you lose his quality out wide which is had been an enormous enormously potent weapon for United throughout the season you were ending up playing two left footed wingers you know Jesper Blomqvist was a good, a good player and I think he, he had a, he had a good season but but he was a you know a serious drop off from from a Beckham out wide or, or or a Giggs on the left or whatever
0: I mean why was Blomqvist out on the left because it seemed it wasn't I mean Blomqvist has mentioned in the commentary for this game hadn't played in about two and a half weeks and Giggs is nowhere near as good coming in from the right as he is on the left. I'm surprised that that switch was made. I would have put Blomqvist out on the right and Giggs on the left in his normal position. I
1: presume the assumption was that Blomqvist just couldn't play on the right. I guess um, I don't. Right. I don't recall yeah. him. I don't recall him playing on on the right much. Or I mean, he may have done, but I don't have that level of recollection of that season. But I think he was he was a, he was a good level left winger. But I'm not sure he was dynamic enough or um, had the quality of the. Two footedness or the game intelligence to necessarily play with any great effectiveness on the right, whereas you knew at least the gigs had that not just the level of ability but the level of football brain to be more adaptable i think than perhaps than than Blancpice was but I mean these were all really really tough decisions because you know Fergie did completely have to change the shape of the the midfield four mm. to f- from what had got us you know so far in in three competitions so the way the game panned out wasn't necessarily a surprise. <laughs> but,
0: uh, well, okay. Well, we'll get to that in a little while uh, on the buying side of things. Uh, Omar Hitsfield putting thirty-eight-year-old Lothar Matthäus, which I think was his last game prior to retirement, having won mm. pretty much everything bar the World Cup. Or uh, did he won the World Cup at that stage? Maybe for West Germany. I can't remember. Nineteen
1: ninety, he was the the star of the tournament in nineteen ninety.
0: Oh, well, 19. thank you very much I was three then so unfortunately I don't remember that one uh, but yeah but he was behind the back four in what looked like a four sorry a one four two three I'm presuming he was having a bit of a sweeper yeah, where he was pushing yeah. back from behind the defence and then into the midfield uh, Oliver Kahn skippering the side Karsten Yanker at front with Elbert injured which was huge for Bayern as mentioned the Brazilian was scoring lots and lots of goals for them pretty much every season he had The Zou was also missing at left back so Bayern had their own problems as well Samuel Kuffour actually oh, mentionable for being the only non-German in the starting 11 game kicks off, incredible atmosphere as you'd expect and Rich pretty much straight from the off Bayern were making light of our midfield they were having a lot of space and exploiting it quite well
1: yeah, we just didn't get any control in the game, which you'd expect because we had a midfield four that were still really kind of learning their, their roles. If you look at that Bayern team, it's, it's interesting. You talk about, we looked at Barcelona, and, and, and Barcelona had a lot of incredible individuals, um, particularly in the attacking sense, kind of Figo and Rivaldo and Sonny Anderson. Bayern had a lot of quality, but they were, they were a really, really effective team unit. Um, and I think that gave them the advantage in that in that situation where United had to shake their lineup up quite a lot, but they still had the the, the kind of of a, what had been a really effective team, um, and it showed really from from the off that United yeah. just were finding themselves whereas Bayern and were, were, were very confident in what they were trying to do from from very early on.
0: Well, the danger was everywhere, wasn't it? You know, there was Barbo, there was Tana, Effenberg, and Yanke was giving well gave Ronnie Onsen and Yetzdam problems all night long. Mm. And it's Mario Basler who uh, sends, let's have a look. No, it's Zickler who sent Carson Janker free. And Janssen with a a foul that, it was a pretty good foul because I think if he makes contact in any other way, I think he's getting done for a red card and United are in some serious trouble. But he just concedes a free kick just outside the area or a couple of metres outside the area. Paul another absolute howler of well I, I, I'm going to say this is another Schmeichel howler as uh, Mario Basta scores six minutes in with that free kick
2: yeah it was a bit and it was um, I, I watched it in, the, um, in my local pub where I'd watched a lot of the games that season in the, in the marquee in a car park and um, it was just a sea of humanity and suddenly just complete <laughs> silence and uh, yeah it was horrible yeah like I say a bit of a howler I must have been so thrilled to see that lineup, and obviously it was through you know, no. Well, I suppose it is through Keane goals Sculls' fault, but such a shame in a way. You know, at the time I'm thinking it was such a shame because you want your best players, and and the tie itself. You know, these two great clubs probably deserved the best players on the pitch. But at that point, you know, what six minutes was it when we conceded? I think mm. something like that. A long way to go, but United started so badly. I was starting to feel the worst. I must admit, at that point. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I missed this goal because my family had taken me out for a meal. Uh, obviously not a very good family because they were taking me out for a meal on my birthday when this game was happening. But there we go. Um, yeah, I missed the goal and then came back in at 1-0. And, you know, obviously I didn't pick up these notes back in 99. So this is from rewatching the game for the first time ever since that night in May 1999. But yeah, I mean, Beckham is having a pretty decent game. You know, his passing range is there for all to see. And you can see... Just why he's so he would later develop into that sort of central midfield operator, and because even though he's never necessarily always had the pace, his ability to spot a pass and keep the ball moving effectively is there in all its stark glory in this one. Ron Atkinson on the commentary is constantly encouraging him to push up, but I get why Ferguson was telling him to sit back and not get too far or high up the pitch because leaving Nicky Butt a lot on his own, especially with the way that Bayern were breaking so quickly and just bypassing that midfield, seemed like a really it looks like a ref- recipe for disaster, to be quite frank. And it almost happens again as well. Zickler is clean through, but he's called offside, and Neville playing him a good metre or so on. Got very, very lucky there. But yeah, Rich, the basic pattern of that is United had plenty of the ball in that first half when we created openings, but not really chances. You know, we kept prodding, but we didn't really have anything that you could say should have either been a goal or a decent chance.
1: No, not at all. Again, the, the way the midfield was shaken up, we, we lost any real... incisiveness on the left-hand side with with Blonquist playing there. Giggs obviously wasn't as comfortable on the right-hand side as he was on the left and the wings have been so important to our season even if we could get plenty of ball in midfield we just didn't have that danger on the flanks that we that we usually had Um, and it made us easier to to blunt. Bayern could could defend a bit more um, compactly, didn't have to worry too much about crosses flying in from from the right, from Beckham, that didn't we didn't have the ability to pull them out of shape, and they're such an an effective unit, such an effective team that were, with a goal up, they could just really keep us at arm's length and then and then try and pick us off as they will. And United yeah. just didn't, we didn't look like we had the ideas to really to do them any damage at that point. That's the thing, isn't it? Because obviously
2: we were missing Keenan's goals, but through missing Keenan's goals, you, you then. Taking Beckham and Giggs yeah. out of position, like you say, Rich, they've been so crucial all season in every competition to yeah. lose two, well, two central midfielders and then basically losing two of your wingers, really. I mean, I know we had Giggs and Beckham on the pitch, but not in the right places. That was such a massive blow.
0: Well, I mean, it's not like United really had a lot of other options. You know, no, I understand no, 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 why no. Ferguson went for the lineup that he did. You know, you look at United's bench that night. Raymond van der Howe, David May, Wes Brown, Phil Neville, Jonathan Greening, and then Solskjaer and Sheringham. Apart from Jonathan Greening, who at the time was 20 years old. Yeah, Yeah, there there was no other plan for United at that stage. And either either you're going to try and make some sort of, oh God, I don't know, a 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2. Add David May in there, who is easily the most experienced of any player on that bench who is not a striker or a goalkeeper but that would have blunted United even further you know you're putting Wes Brown who's 19 at this stage and Phil Neville is 22 at this stage who is involved in the first team picture but not as relied upon as Butt or Scholes or Giggs or Neville or Beckham it would have been a huge risk to do anything differently but it shows just how massive Scholes and Keane were for us that season That their influences felt so you know pardon the pun but keenly in this mm-hmm. game At least until we start making some substitutions because there's only one half-decent opportunity for United in the game before Ferguson makes the first change. It was a massive cross from Giggs out on the right with his best of the game. Not that that was too difficult. Uh, For Blomqvist. he's stooping for it. Oliver can't commit himself. And if this is on target, it's going in, but he just can't quite connect with it and it goes over the bar. And it's at that point where Blomqvist comes off for Sheringham. And then we go 4-3-3. Sheringham through the middle, York and Cole the side of him. But a big change for Bayern at this point as well is Zickler coming off for Nemet Scholl, who has a great 20 minutes or so, as we'll get to shortly. Rich, that seemed, having watched it again, that seems to be the point where Ferguson has just said, look, what I'm doing here isn't working. And at least he had the ability as a manager to constantly analyse himself. And I guess that's part of his genius, isn't it? He's not so wedded to his ideas that he won't change things up and just force through a change, just sheer sheer force of will.
1: Yeah, I mean, in terms of starting lineups, he was still very much a 4-4-2 manager. United played 4-4-2 with wingers or wide wide players and, and, and two strikers. And But one of the things that served him so well and partially made him so successful and won United so many games was, was his willingness to just be incredibly brave. And it didn't take a great deal of nouse to, to to see that Blancos wasn't having a good game, but Fergie was never ever ever shy to throw on another attacker and another attacker or whatever he had, just keep throwing on forwards as the as the game game went on. And yeah, it was an obvious move at the time. It was very obvious for Fergie. Um, it was a very Fergie esque type of move. And United needed to keep the ball higher up the pitch. And if there's something that that Sherry was good at, it was it was actually holding the ball up. You know, he's a real, a real technician, a really sort of classy player, and touch, and able to bring other players into the to the game as well. And what we hadn't done in the game at any point, really, was get the ball up up to York and Cole and, and keep it in those forward areas in the positions where they can do damage.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was all very fractured from United, wasn't it? You know, even even now at this point, of when we switched things up and we made that first substitution, there's still a lack of control and a lack of cohesion to the attacks. Yeah, and you mentioned sharing there. Sharing him there was really good at holding onto the ball and bringing the players into the game. Didn't hold on the ball very well on this one particular chance, where he basically leaves it for Beckham, who was nowhere near there, <laughs> and Bayern just sweep ahead. It's Mateus to Nemeth, Schal, Yanker in space, and Effenberg just. Ooh, well, let's have a look. Hooks his leg up to meet it first time. Schmalko reacts quickly off his line to clear the danger, and then but losing it to Effenberg in the middle of the pitch. Bassler gets past Beckham up to the penalty area. It's a great run. He's crowded out by three defenders. Lays it off for Scholl. Delightful chip over Schmeichel. You can see him despairing with that arm. But then very nonchalantly picks it back up as it bounces into his arms back off the post. <laughs> oh, I was, was awful. Saying, you know, he I was, was, right was this,
2: wasn't it? Yeah.
1: He wasn't looking
0: positive.
2: Yeah, yeah at that point, it, it felt like if anyone was going to score, it was probably going to be them. But I thought we looked tired for the first time, really, that season. We re- looked really sort of leggy and... and a little bit deflated and sort of lacking in ideas
0: another mention, moment to mention at this stage Lothar Mateus coming off for Thorsten Fink who will be very interesting not long from now and the German legend leaving his European Cup chance the one thing missing from his trophy cabinet up to the gods at this stage remember that we'll, we'll talk about him in a minute as well uh, it's at this stage that United finally start putting something together you know it's Cole coming on it's called Colt sorry Andy Cole coming off for Oli Solskjaer on the 80th minute Almost scores with a header from a great level cross, but Oliver Kahn getting down well to save it. United are starting finally in the last 10 minutes to actually make some openings, but it's Bayern again who come closest to scoring. Paul. Oh, this Yanker overhead kick. I mean, thank God it was always rising because if it's anywhere else, I think Schmeichel's in real trouble. It's that corner that Scholl wins. United can't clear it. It goes right up in the air from a Scholl header and then Yanker back to goal, overhead kick, and it just... Purely because the fact that it was so close, from such close range, I think that's helped Michael immeasurably, and it hits the bar, and we get another massive let off.
2: Yeah, so many let offs, and, and it was it was United seriously riding a look, and I mean you're right, we, we had started to look a little bit better. Then I thought Nicky Butt, I seem to remember Nicky Butt um, stepping up a little bit in the second half and really getting a bit more of a stronger hold in the game. But the substitutions really did make a difference. Um, it just didn't, you know, one of those nights where it just didn't really work for York and Cole, they didn't have the right kind of service. Yeah, so many heart-in-your-mouth heart moments, and, you know, that one, where Schmeichel just you know, hit the bar and he picked it up, it was ridiculous. It, it, was, it was, it was, this was a really horrible game to watch, and like I so said, I was in, in this marquee, and it was just pretty much silence for, like, almost the whole match after they scored, and then I remember turning to my mate who I was with and just saying, you know what, I think we can still do this, we can still do it, <laughs> presciently.
0: Oh, there we go. Rich, looking at the way that United have had such joy with their crossing in particular in that inter tie, I guess it makes sense, and especially, you know, for a lot of that European campaign, you know, our crossing to York, Cole, or whoever was in the penalty area at the time, I guess it makes sense that eventually equaliser comes from a set piece delivery by one David Beckham even if it wasn't yeah. initially straight from that
1: you never never really saw Bayern panicking defensively but but it seemed like Schmeichel coming up for a corner just completely threw them it was like they, they, they knew exactly what they were doing yeah. until the moment that the goalie appeared in the penalty area and suddenly no one had had any idea quite what they should be doing at that, that point and it was so un bayern and so un-German like that that he just turned into an enormous pinball scramble in the penalty area it was just that moment of fate wasn't it everything about it the missed kicked clearance then Giggs basically scuffing his shot terribly really with his wrong foot and it just falling to sherringham who again didn't even get a really really great contact on it he just it wasn't it, it was, was a double scuff, scuff. It, was just, it, was it was just two scuffs and it just just crept in the corner and i mean that's the moment you know when you know, you, you just kind of knew that was it. You could see Bayern. I mean, Bayern had led for 84 minutes. That's that's, that's an enormous amount of time to have led a football match, to, to be in the lead, to be comfortable with your lead. You've hit the woodwork twice. You've dominated the game. And then to concede a goal like that right at the death, absolutely def- just sucked the life out of them.
0: Well, it was a sheer force of will, wasn't it? The way that goal happened as well actually starts because Bayern are starting to look tired. You know, it's a least babble pass. Linker under pressure hits it out. And United are camped in binds half immediately. You know, Stam with a long... Well, Stam's up. Long throw from Neville. And then Beckham gets the corner. Uh, let's have a look. Oof, Schmeichel's up. And he actually gets quite close to connecting with this. And then York keeps the original ball alive after the initial clearance is there. And then Fink can only head it up to the edge of the area. And that, Rich, is where Giggs' initial scuffed effort comes in sharing him scuffs it again in at the near post he's immediately looking over his shoulder perhaps with that Juve game in mind to check it's not offside Khan's not happy about it but it's one all and I can imagine the marquee was jumping Paul
2: oh my god it was unbelievable and the first goal went in and, and you can imagine what it was like it was just beer everywhere just hugging strangers um, and so much so that um, a lot of us actually missed the second goal we thought we were still celebrating the first goal and the second goal went in <laughs> Genuinely.
0: Oh no, really?
2: Seriously. And it was only it was only about sort of ten seconds after we scored the second. It was like oh, God, we scored another one, you know, but it was yeah, you know, just one of those memories that will last forever really. Those those last few minutes of the game. And I think similarly to, to against Juventus really, you know, we scored that first goal and like Rich says, you know, we've been Bain have been completely dominating the game totally cruise control and then suddenly they were panicking and we were we had the wins in ourselves again and mm. i mean I, you know just i mean we, we kind of robbed them in a way <laughs> you know, they, they were way better than us on the night but who cares it was it was the best way to win well, any any cup final um, mm. i can think of and, and yeah unbelievable
0: Well, i mean it's a pretty crap game really isn't it you know it's yeah, it not necessarily hugely entertaining and there's only 3 Awful minutes game. of stoppage time it flowed quite well there wasn't necessarily a lot of stoppages and the very very few free kicks very very few fouls the game keeps going at a steady pace the entire time it's just there's not a lot apart from those two chances there that bind hit the woodwork with there's not necessarily a hell of a lot else to pick out a lot of it is the tactical nuances and changes that help to influence the game that's the really interesting stuff watching this again for me
1: came back to the that decision at the start of the season to actually to, to go with four strikers you know, to bring another centre forward and and yeah. carry four strikers for the season, and really what what's won the game for United is the fact that Bayern's defence are knackered, and United have brought on two top class strikers whose whose minds were clear. And Beckham's delivery as well, Beckham's delivery, and again on those
2: big big moments, you know he, he stepped up and to, t- t- I mean I suppose that you, you could argue they weren't even they weren't the best corners, but. Just wow! I mean, yeah those massive moments. David Beckham once again.
0: Teddy Sheringham scored five goals that season. That's
1: crazy, isn't it? But if you think about it, yeah. he scored. He scored in a cup final and scored in a Champions League final. You know. <laughs> yeah, I think that in a space clutch, of a week. Isn't it?
0: <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, talking about the mentality as well. I watched a clip from the Class of '92 documentary, and each of them kept saying they weren't worried, even when they were one 0 down. They always felt like they would get a chance. And as soon as that first goal went in from Sheringham, their mentality completely switched. They knew they could win it. They were there was an element of them thinking immediately beyond extra time, they could tell that the atmosphere of the game had completely changed. And you can even though there's very little time between the sharing goal and the Solskjaer goal, you can almost sense it. Obviously, knowing what we know now, we take that context into the way that the game panned out. But Bayern, as you mentioned, Rich, they just look crushed. They struggle with the to keep the ball and give it away immediately they don't try and slow the play down they don't try and hold on to possession and just try and get through to extra time and take a breath they give it away pretty much immediately Irwin pumps it forward finds solskjaer in space four blocks his cross and it's another corner
1: yeah i mean the thing is if you've got david beckham taking corners you know that every corner is going to be a really beautiful delivery you know, if you attack, if you attack certain areas in the penalty area, the Beckham will stick it on your head, and I think it just makes players more alive in the penalty area and more committed to to making their runs. And you know, if you compare that to perhaps waiting for a corner from Andres Pereira or Phil Jones, or you know, you, you, it's a, it's a gamble, isn't it? Whereas with Beckham, you know, there's going to be quality on that. There's going to be quality on that delivery. And then what essentially happened was that the, the least tired, clearest minds. In the box were the quickest ones to react to Beckham's exceptional corner, yeah. and and that's that's really the difference. Yeah. It's it's that extra bit of cl- clarity. And it was yeah. just sticking
2: out of toes, wasn't it? It was just sticking out a leg. Yes,
0: yeah, all just, instincts. Yeah. I would ask you what it was like in the marquee port, but you're still still celebrating <laughs> the previous goal. So rich <laughs> five words for there. you. <laughs> Put a rich five words and Solskjaer has won it. Yeah,
1: I mean, can't say I actually heard that commentary at, at the time. Um, I was. Reasonably, yeah. reasonably drunk and going a bit bananas, but um, it's almost one of those ones where you, it's incredible when it happens at the time, but you don't almost don't take it in properly until you, till a bit later, until you, almost until you mm. watch it again and you think you're just thinking like what, what the bloody hell happened there? You know, you bit, you're quite pissed and you've just scored an equalizer and it's pretty leery where you are and and then the second goal goes in and everything goes a bit bananas, but you don't really kind of take it in properly until. Until everything's gone quiet, you know, you've gone home or everything's quiet, or you have woken up the next morning and you actually watch the highlights back, and and it didn't really hit me just how incredible it was, just how incredible what had happened was until the next day mm. when I when I actually watched it mm. again and thought bloody hell that was, you know, what I watched the whole game back the next day and and you the degree to which we'd been dominated by Bayern throughout, and then to to win it <laughs> to win it like that, and I, I didn't I didn't notice the first time round just. The state the Bayern players were in after the after the second God, goal, you know, I hadn't seen that. I was too busy. Mm. I was too busy nah. getting jumped on and and whatever else, you know. So,
0: well, Lothar Mateus on the sidelines after that yeah. first goal, just looking completely haunted. Samuel Cafour, bless him, just in tears and having to pull himself up, just clearly distraught because they know the game's gone at that stage. But I know I know what you're saying in terms of like the the difficulty in absorbing those couple of minutes of football because it's just so unprecedented for a. A trophy of this magnitude to be won in such a way, isn't it? It was big enough in our season to get that first goal. To have a moment as big as bigger than that, Billy, and a minute and a half later to try and process that is not impossible.
2: And all that, all that tension as well, all that massive tension from watching the the entire season, but then that match in particular, and then the fact they literally had no time to put it right. By no, it must have been so destroying. That climb to get to to, to to get the medals and stuff it must have been just so exhausting for them. It was, oh. I mean, it was hilarious. But I, I, again, like Rich, I didn't see it at the time. It was just like the body.
0: Oh, well, actually, was but... out on the pitch, so they actually had a stand on the pitch. I so think Did they? they didn't have to go up into the gods because the, that camp now is big enough as it is. So That would have been horrible.
1: But there, was, there were so many. There were so many brilliant little bit images when I watched you back on the, on the TV the next day the, of, after the goal you had that moment with Mateus where he goes to the crowd and, and Clive Tilsey says, what must and Mateus be thinking? And then he says, with all due respect, who cares? And it was just, yeah. just, <laughs> just a brilliant line. And then, and then it, oh, no, it, and then it cuts, it, cu- it cuts to Bobby Charlton in the, um, in the stands as well. And you just see him and you, you just see his face and he, like, you could just see the absolute joy. in That he's like, we've done mm. it. Finally, we've done it. Just those, those little moments where you, you realize what, what it meant to the individuals involved and, and it, the things you don't pick up on the day that you see afterwards, and it was just, just, just the, the commentary and the, the imagery made it so many so great much
2: quotes coming out of it as well. Like you said, yeah. the commentary and then football bloody hell, yeah. and that's Manchester just, just United have reached the, the promised land. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, can United score? They always score.
0: Yeah, and Phil Neville on the bench, he is the first one. He knows that's going in as soon as <laughs> sharing inflicts that on. He is the first to celebrate. Oh, the reaction! Yeah. Second.
1: and the iconic like, David May celebrating on the. Yeah, (laughs) and
2: then that sort of that poignancy of Keenan skulls in the suits, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's how you do it. Not this full kit wankery if you've been (laughs) (laughs)
2: suspicious.
0: Shin (laughs) pads But yeah, I mean, what an incredible—I mean—to absorb all that and try and take stock of everything must have been impossible. You know, Gary Neville called it an out-of-body experience. And then Ollie, when he was uh, interviewed uh, in preparation for the 20th anniversary match that we had at Old Trafford against Bayern last year, the United Legends game, one uh, asked about the goal. He says, I don't remember much. After I scored, looked if I was offside and celebrated on my knees for the first time ever. <laughs> when we won the FA Cup or the league, we were more in control of our emotions. But there, I think we all lost track of who we were. In the months and years after, we understood how big a moment that was for our history. Which perfectly encapsulates the whole scenario I mean at the time what an incredible feeling and what an incredible way to have won the game but thinking back more to that entire season I think the biggest and best thing that Sir Alex Ferguson managed during his time at United and you saw this happen not just in games obviously there's lots of moments in the treble season so the game against Liverpool in the cup earlier on that season the game against Spurs in the league right at the end the Arsenal semi-final the Champions League games that we'd had not just in the treble season but throughout Ferguson's you know 25 years 26 years or whatever Ferguson's greatest achievement was getting United to believe that anything was possible and to get them almost addicted to the idea of these incredible narrative moments and the power that football has when it comes to telling stories that you can have moments where you score two goals in stoppage time in Barcelona against Bayern Munich, that you can score goals against one of the best teams in the country in the last couple of minutes of extra time when you're a man down, to get them addicted to continuing to come back, to believing in themselves and to understand that, as trite as it sounds, anything was possible.
1: Mm. And the other thing is getting actually imprinting in the minds of opposition that United could do that to you. And and you know having having in their minds that it doesn't matter how far they are ahead or how how comfortable they've been for such a period of time they know that, that at the end of the game United are going to come at you and they're very very capable of turning you over and it, it was mm-hmm. that developing that fear factor, factor in the opposition as much as the mindset of of United was the part of his brilliance but I mean that that treble season you know most other United seasons even successful United seasons you perhaps had a couple of games like that. That 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 kind of drama and, and that that treble season was, it was just endless. It was endless game after game, which could be called you know the game of the decade for a mm. United's game of the decade or an absolute classic. And there, there were just there were you know there were a handful of games that are amongst the best games I've ever never recall watching United and to keep doing it again and again and again and not to fall down once to always be the team on that's done the impossible and not be the one that's fallen short. In three competitions, it just, it, it actually defies belief when you look back at it now. And you we've seen all the teams since then. And there have been some really great, really strong English teams since then. And none of them have come anywhere near producing that over three, those three competitions, the biggest three competitions. You think of the, the dominance that City have had in the last few years with Guardiola or the extent of Liverpool's dominance this year. And neither of them could, could do it in three competitions. And even get even get close
2: and to do it as well with so many homegrown players, yeah, who've come through the ranks. You know, just uh, just like so many goosebump moments, and unforgettable, absolutely unforgettable moments. Mm. Um, but I think with the fact that there were so many players who would come through the youth system, that, that that you know that class and attitude, or whatever, was was uh, really really a lovely part of it for me. Um, mm.
0: I mean, I think to me, obviously, having so many players you who were united through and through to come through the youth ranks was great. I also love the fact that it was such a, a multicultural offering. You know, you yeah. had Dwight York from Trinidad and Tobago. You had two Norwegians. You had a Swede. You had a Dane. You know, and you had a couple of Irishmen, you know, and, and a Welshman, of course. How am I forgetting him? Yeah, there were players from all over the shop in this team and I think Ferguson's greatest ability was to get them all on side and all understanding of each other and all believing of each other. I mean, I'm falling into platitudes but there's so much richness to this victory. You know, it was the first English team to be in a European Cup final since Heisel in 1985 and it didn't necessarily signal a beginning of a English period of dominance in Europe. You know, it was an outlier, wasn't it? You know, an English team didn't win the Champions League again until 2005 with Liverpool against AC Milan. You know, it, it was and remains a gigantic achievement. And Ferguson or not, the best United season in history. Rich, any, how do we sum that up then? I think
1: it's up. it was the greatest it was the greatest season by any English team ever. And I think the only the only real disappointment from it is that we didn't go on to dominate Europe in the subsequent years after that because that team was still in its prime and we ultimately fell fell short over the next couple of years, even though we were absolutely dominating the Premier League. And I think if, if Ferguson's era was just an astonishing avalanche of trophies, but the, the one thing that we 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 haven't done, and perhaps the season, the treble season, almost emphasizes it, the one thing we didn't do was dominate Europe for any period of time, and as much as we should have done. But having said that, would I change anything for that treble season? Would I take another? Would I take another European Cup? Honestly, two seasons later, if we hadn't if we hadn't won, hadn't had that season as we did, and I don't think I would. Because that season, that, that season will be the greatest season that any fan ever sees. Any English fan ever sees, I think. And we got the pleasure of experiencing it for ourselves. I mean, it, it, it was just incredible.
2: Yeah, I couldn't put it any back myself really. it was just spellbinding memories to last a lifetime. But memories like week in, week out almost certainly towards mm-hmm. the end of the season. And I, th- I agree that we, we probably should have gone on to dominate Europe. And I think maybe if Schmeichel hadn't left, we, we may have done. But and with Rich, I wouldn't swap it for anything. You know, the 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 narrative of it all, the drama of it all, the beauty of it all. So many great players. I feel it, it, it feels like a real privilege to have watched that season unfold the way it did, um, mm. to to be there for it. So yeah, absolutely wonderful. Um, we'll never forget. Never forget it.
0: I mean, I still can't believe you missed Solskjaer's goal because you were celebrating sharing <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh. But it, it, it was, still, you know, even even though I missed it, but the, by the time I realized what had happened, it was still great. Didn't oh, yeah. care that I missed it. I didn't care what the goal was like.
0: <laughs> wow right I think that'll do it for this week thank you so much for listening everyone I hope you've enjoyed this trip down memory lane with us we're going to be doing something a little different next week and we're going to start one off episodes focusing on United's biggest and greatest foes. kicking things off with a look at our rivalry with City no less so look out for that and in the meantime just to remind you that this week's episode is brought to you in association with the Pitch Sport app they're running their own simulated competitions across Xbox, PS4 and Football Manager and FIFA simulating the original Premier League schedule so get involved head over to the Apple app store or the google play store and finally don't forget you can always get us all over twitter should you so wish to have a chat with us about anything you want during this current lockdown period you can find paul at paulgunning one rich at rich red voices me at, at you and Lennart, and the pod at red Mufc. don't forget there's always our blog at redvoices.net and the podcast can be found on the apple podcast app spotify stitcher or soundcloud please take care of yourselves we'll be back with you soon take care bye <laughs>